Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Patrick Bradley. Today is Friday, August 2nd, 2019, and uh, this is episode 34. Uh, I talked a lot about changing back to the No Hope podcast episode um, or title. Haven't done that yet. Uh, <laughs> I uh, hoped I was going to do another episode between you know before this one um didn't get to that as well so but here i am i'm back uh so the um the last episode i recorded um actually was it was pretty interesting it got a lot different reception um as far as like audience than before uh you know uh, I haven't I haven't pretended on this podcast like I have a bunch of uh, listeners subscribed or anything like that. Um, and uh, I, I've seen small upticks on some topics. Uh, I don't even remember what they were. Um, and, you know, I've talked a little bit about um, this kind of, you know, pedophile ring stuff with, uh, you know, elites and politicians, um, you know, but I never really hit it as I don't believe is a main topic. And I don't believe it got into the title, which, you know, um, probably accounts to a lot of your, you know, listeners. I mean, until you get like a steady following, right? Because people just have to find it. I don't know that they do much indexing on audio anyway. Um, yeah, so, you know, I host, uh, you know, I have a just a podcast hosting site. Nobody really listens there, but the, it gives me a feed that I didn't have to, like, set up myself. And, you know, I, t- I set it up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, some other places like Google Play and I think Spotify. I don't know. So, you know, there's the, the most uh, popular places, but you can also connect it to your Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And so I've had that. Um, and you know, I actually do have like 500 people that liked my Facebook page. Um, but it turns out that that's just like a big waste because unless people, um, like Facebook doesn't show it to your, to your followers, unless you pay more money to send more advertisements out. So, um, you know, it's basically down to like just people that find it through the podcast apps, and uh, and YouTube has been like a black hole for anything I've, that it just auto gets posted there. Um, you know, and uh, I, I mean, when I say black hole, I mean nobody's seen it. Like it'll show five views on a video, but you know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't cost me anything to just have it automatically sent there. So um, this ep- this past episode with Epstein and, and Twyman in the title has like at this point is like 1500 views, people commenting, you know, all this stuff. So, you know, I mean, you can obviously chalk it up to some extent to the to the topic. Um, but there's so much there's so many like Epstein videos out there. I'm just not sure why, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what, like, how this got caught, like, how how YouTube started actually surfacing this video. I kind of suspected it might have been the fact that I also talked about Tracy Twyman and that name was in the title because, you know, there's far, far less, you know, coverage of her out there. Um, 
you know, and it, I mean, you know, I barely, I, I didn't say a whole heck of a lot about her. Um, but anyway, so, you know, um, I, and I also sort of promised on that video that this follow-up episode was going to be like a real deep dive into the topic and the more kind of crazier, uh, stuff that, that, you know, you hear about what, you know, is going on in these kind of occult, you know, call them satanic if you want, um, pedophile rings and, you know, to child sacrifice, you know, all, all this stuff. Um, and, you know, honestly, like, I, I just don't feel like I've got enough grasp on that yet to really talk about it in any, you know, any kind of way other than just like sensationalism and just, you know, parodying stuff I've heard before. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, honestly, in the last week or so, I mean, just a lot of other stuff is, you know, in the news and sort of what I do, which may bring me down to five YouTube views uh, an episode again if I go to it. But, uh, you know, I can't, you know, I can't like I'm not like some pedo gate, you know, researcher while, you know, is certainly a, a part of, you know, what I see as, you know, the story for sure. Um it's, uh, I, I don't know, you know, like there's still like wars going on. Uh, there's a new election cycle. You know, we just went through the, the democratic debates. Like, I guess it's the second round. Not that I'm going to talk much about them, but I, you know, a little bit about Tulsi Gabbard. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I hope I don't disappoint people in that. I don't go into a crazy deep dive uh, into more of this elite pedophile ring EPR stuff, this episode, um, I do plan on getting back to it, but I really, I just, there's so much out there about it. And, you know, a lot of the people that I see and I listen to their, you know, podcasts and videos and, you know, some of these people, you know, really present themselves as researchers and they have all this information and they speak as if they're an authority, you know. But when you really listen to their logic that they're following, you know, it's it's just filled with holes. And so, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable you know really repeating it i mean i again I, I don't have much of a you know an audience but you know i i hold myself to pretty high standards and you know there's a few people and i've talked about this before but you know there's there are a lot of you know other uh personalities out there that i do trust you know pretty implicitly with what they say you know, somebody like Tom Woods, uh, you know, or Ron Paul. I mean, his Liberty Report, it's like a little brief every, he puts out almost every day, you know, normally about war stuff, but also some politics. And, um, you know, and then, uh, and I really like Dave Smith. Um, you know, I, I, I agree to a large extent with almost everything he talks about. 
You know, Peter Schiff's a little more controversial. I think he fires off the hip a lot more, but, you know, largely agree. But, you know, when you get into these conspiracy theory researchers, you know, it it can, uh, you know, it can be pretty bad. Um, so anyway, I, you know, that's kind of where I am with that. Um, so, but there was some stuff I, I did uh, kind of miss last week. Um, or the last episode, I guess that was longer than a week ago. Let's see when that was. Yeah, it was like a week and a half. Anyway, um, you know, one of the things I, I, uh, talked about, so, so now to get on this, uh, about the Epstein case, um, about the unsealing of the documents. Um, so, uh, I, I talked about it last week, but I don't think I, you know, one name I'm pretty sure I didn't mention once was Mike Cernovich. And, you know, I, um, I'd actually heard about this stuff from him, I believe, or maybe on his, I think I follow him on Facebook. I don't know. A lot of this stuff bleeds together. Um, maybe he was on somebody's show, but they, you know, they were saying how he, started this case that then the Miami Herald joined up on. Um, and, you know, how, saying how now there's no mention of him, you know, in, in most, uh, most, you know, mainstream or whatever accounts of this. And, uh, you know, it is, it, you, you certainly don't hear much about him, um, about his, role in this for sure and you know it makes sense i mean you know i don't i don't think it's like breaking news that uh you know the media is is not giving a ton of air time to people they perceive as like alt-right or aligned with trump or whatever and cernovich would certainly be on that it's certainly not a democrat or liberal uh so Let's see. You can um, so what you can what you find is you know you can pull up the actual like I you know I'm a legal person I don't know what you call this but it's like the actual document you know from the court and there's a section of it <clears throat> and it says uh, over the course of the litigation before Judge Sweet three outside parties attempted to unseal some were all of the sealed material on August 11th, 2016. Dershowitz moved to intervene, seeking to unseal three documents that he argues demonstrate that... Uh, oh, and actually, just I forgot which one this is. So this is uh, Virginia Jeffrey. Um, this was the one, I, I'm still not sure how to pronounce it, but she was Virginia Roberts back when, you know, the abuse took place. Uh, but she's the woman that moved to Australia, kind of escaped, and then brought this, um, brought a case against, I think, Epstein, the Ghislaine Maxwell, and she also mentions Dershowitz, uh, and Prince, um, geez, what was his name? Prince... <laughs> I have to look back. Uh, Andrew. I believe it's Prince Andrew. So uh, I think they were all named in, in this. And I don't want to go back over all this, you know, uh, that I talked about last time. Um, but anyway, so I I thought they settled 
um, according to Wikipedia, I think they said it's settled uh, and part of, I guess, and then they sealed the documents. And so I'm not sure if that was like a condition of the settlement or whatever. Um, so anyway, that's that's the case. They're talking about, I guess, all the, the court documents around that case. So Dershowitz moved to intervene, seeking to unseal three documents that he argues demonstrate that Jeffrey uh, invented the accusations against him. Okay, so actually the first person uh, is actually Dershowitz uh, on August 11, 2016. Then January 19, 2017, Cernovich, an in independent blogger and self-described quote-unquote popular political journalist, uh, moved to intervene seeking to unseal the summary judgment record and Dershowitz joined his motion. Uh, so, so then, you, so there you have that. So Dershowitz was first, then, um, Cernovich, which, uh, Der, and then Dershowitz also, I guess, joined in that motion. So then on April 6th, 2018, after the case had settled, the Herald moved to intervene and unseal, um, it's a lie. I, I'm not even sure how to read this. Seven BR appellant, sort of appellant, and then in parentheses, Cernovich, four case, blah, 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 document, blah, 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 page eight uh, of the entire docket. The district court granted each of these motions to intervene, but denied the related request to unseal in orders entered, uh, whatever. Um, so anyway, I mean, it's it's a legal document. And it's super hard to read uh and i think it seems like when i copied it over possibly some artifacts came in there uh because i don't remember it being that yeah that weird um yeah i on april 6th after the case had settled the herald moved to intervene and unseal the entire docket okay i don't know what all that other stuff in my little um, text uh, note thing was but so it sounds like Dershowitz was first and he wanted to unseal three specific documents that uh, I guess he was saying like they were slandering his name then Cernovich came in and he wanted to unseal the summary judgment record which honestly I don't know what that is um, but it sounds like more than the three documents and it it sounds like something more general to the whole case. Uh, and then finally, then the Herald came um, and they wanted to unseal uh, on April 6, 2018, after the case had settled. Then um, they uh, came the Herald to unseal everything. So at and uh, again, you know, somebody that you know knows more about legal stuff than me might come, might follow in and follow up and say that I misunderstood something. But in me, my bit of reading through this, the idea was like the judge or the court or whatever sort of just blanketly sealed everything. And what and um, what they are arguing is that they never went over the individual documents and this needs to happen uh to decide like what is and is not okay to be out there um but my my under 
and I believe that the idea, you know, supposed to be but the spirit of this is that, you know, you seal things to protect victims. Um, and that was kind of the idea that like Dershowitz, <clears throat> you know, wanted to open this up, you know, that so some of the conspiracy theory stuff I heard around this was like, um, what's this guy's name? Something from No More News, like No K-N-O-W. Uh, he was kind of accusing Cernovich as being working like with Dershowitz and, and trying to like get a hold of the names of the victims and the people that brought this case so they could like go after them. Um, that's seems pretty far-fetched and i honestly don't really know um i mean if one is you know virginia roberts guffrey or whatever i mean she's already known and if that's who dershowitz wanted to go after then you know that's not a big deal and i mean i think like no matter what the court now but so i think i mean i think that the court would you know redact names and just go with like jane doe one jane doe two you know, so I, I, I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. Um, I mean, it, it obviously tracks with Dershowitz and he's kind of the whole point of what he's saying is, uh, you know, this will, you know, this, this is BS and I want the actual documents out there. So, you know, I can kind of clear my name and, and explain how this is BS. Uh, you know, obviously Cernovich doesn't have the, any sort of clear personal connection he just is opposed to eprs um and he wants this outed and just you know the details of this because that you know from our perspective you know the public it seems like you know this guy is basically got off with a slap on the wrist and it's like really awful and now they're hiding all of the information i mean obviously that's what the miami herald's you know doing and i it seems like Cernovich is, you know, with them. Um, so anyway, uh, I, you know, I don't know really know what the the state of this is. I think the last thing I saw, you know, this was um, unredacted. It says in the undertaking this task, the district court may be well served by ordering the parties to submit to the court unredacted electronic copies of the remaining sealed materials as well as specific proposed redactions. The district court may also order the parties to identify and notify individual parties whose privacy interests would likely be implicated by disclosure of these materials and interests of judicial economy. Any future appeal in this matter shall be ref referred to this panel. Uh, okay, well, so, you know, this was a, a while ago. I mean, I, I think this was like a year ago. I don't know. Anyway, you know, basically we're all sitting around waiting for them to, you know, unseal this. And I, I mainly wanted to mention Cernovich because, um, you know, he he predated the Miami Herald by a good bit, like six months or something. Um you know, in, in bringing, bringing, uh, an appeal to unseal, you know, these, these records. Uh, so that was like the first thing. And, and also just kind of wanted to say, like, I had heard, I mean, this was another, you know, this is an example of like, you know, all the crazy conspiracy stuff that you hear while, 
I'm like totally open to any part of it being true, you know, like, um, but I also like in order to believe it, I, you know, it's gotta be, you know, there's gotta be a good argument and, uh, so much what I heard. And I, I just felt like the Cernovich thing just seemed, you know, it just seemed like somebody kind of just trashing this guy, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't really know what their motivation was. If it was like a personal thing, they just don't like Cernovich or maybe they don't like their politics. Doesn't necessarily even mean it's like conscious. Like maybe they just have like a negative vibe and then everything gets seen through that lens. You know, it's it's like the left right paradigm in the US. You know what I mean? Like any I think like groups of people, they can be shown the exact same information, but their brains have already been like really distorted and they can't really they can't process it in like a neutral way. Um and maybe we just can't, you know, as humans. It's just, you know, we're not really built like that. Um but I do think that you can, you know, use some discipline through your life and fight to sort of remain open so that, you know, you, you don't just prejudge everything. And then, you know, every piece of information kind of somehow already proves this thing, you know, that you've thought. Um, but anyway, so, so that's, you know, that's about Cernovich and, you know, I'm, you know, I don't endorse or not endorse what he says. I, I think he's probably a pretty complex guy. I've heard some stuff uh, that's all right. Um, I tend to just like to follow the people that are like get banned from places as much as I can. Um, because if they're getting banned, they're most likely, you know, saying something interesting. Uh, not, I mean... If I'm hearing about them, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure people get banned all the time by like just crazy threats and stuff, but you know, they're not, they're not like personalities, you know, in the media. Uh, all right. So, um, let's see what else there. So something else that I, uh, I think I, I think I did talk about this, um, but just quickly like the, so and again, I, so this is something that, you know, like, I mean, you listen to some podcasts or videos or whatever on the topic and it's like a foregone conclusion that Jeffrey Epstein is like a Mossad agent. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, maybe I haven't seen a lot of evidence that's real, real, you know, evidence of this, um, but uh, I've seen there's a lot of connections to him that make you raise your eyebrows, but I personally, you know, I'm not sure what people are working off of to come to this concrete conclusion. And, um, you know, I think it's one of the one of my defining characteristics is that I am able to like exist in like a gray space, like in an, I can exist indefinitely without knowing and without defining my position on everything, you know, like, you know, if there is there God or, you know, whatever the question is, um, most of the time I just say, I don't know, you know, is, is global, is man-made global warming real, you know, is that happening? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I have, 
some opinions about it, you know, here and there, uh, you know, I've looked and read a lot, you know, but it's tough for me to like just, you know, for sure say one way or the other, um, you know, so I sort of just remain skeptical and I kind of wind up being skeptical of like anything anybody says. Uh, but anyway, so, but the, the, at least what I've seen that's leading down this road is, um, the, so the connection with the Ghislaine Maxwell and her father, who I believe, and, and forgive me, a lot of this initial stuff, I'm sort of going without any like notes is really, uh, I didn't write much stuff down or, or go back over it, but believe i have this all in my head straight um so you got his his like you know main uh sidekick in in all of this has been Ghislaine maxwell uh and i know i talked about her uh last episode and she's the daughter of what i believe is robert maxwell and robert maxwell uh was a big big media mogul in london um Never to the level of Rupert Murdoch, but at least sort of mentioned in sentences with him, I guess. Possibly always in that sort of shadow of wanting to, you know, be on that level. Uh, and basically, and th so this is a part where, like, I, I don't know how certain this is, but it seems like a foregone conclusion that... Robert Maxwell was in intelligence and probably was uh, involved with Mossad. Um, now, I, again, like, I, you know, I could be wrong and maybe I'm just, you know, going with the hearsay, but, you know, he's got a much, much, much longer history um, of stuff than Epstein. Um, and I, no, nothing like from what I read, I don't, I don't think I came across anything about like pedophilia or whatever, but just, you know, um, involved in intelligence stuff or whatever with Mossad and possibly, you know, I think also maybe with, uh, you know, with England as well. And anyway, like, so <clears throat> he winds up dead. Uh, they find him just floating in the water. Uh, at, and I don't, I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure it's just declared an accident, but I, you know, I don't think anybody knows for sure, you know, what happened with him. And then after he died, I think then there was all this like financial scandal and everything. And I believe that while his daughter does come from this very famous, you know, father and had lots of money, I do believe that to a large extent, um, that money was like kind of gone you know, from all these scandals and all this money that her father owed. Uh, so, um, that's like her connection. And, and, um, and so, you know, sort of now, like by proxy, you pass Mossad through the daughter to Epstein. And now, you know, he's Mossad. Or, you know, he's an intelligence. Now, obviously, you know, the smoking gun is Acosta saying that he was told to back off because, in quotes, in his words, who he was also quoting somebody else, but that 
He is owned by intelligence. That is like the Acosta quote. So, I mean, I'm not saying there's there there's nothing there. I just not I'm just not sure exactly what the details are, and I do think it's one of the most like interesting parts of this as far as like even, you know, worse than just the abuse of, you know, children and everything um by these by these people but also, you know, the possibility that 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 this is like an element of control uh, of very powerful people over other very powerful people in like, uh, you know, like Epstein's like kind of running almost like a honeypot, you know, um, where he's bringing these people in and getting them, you know, pulling them into this world and eventually getting dirt on them through videos and pictures of them with like having sex with kids and doing God knows what. Um, so it absolutely very, you know, interesting. There's a lot of smoke to me around that. Uh, I don't expect any of this court, any of these court documents to show anything like that. You know, my, I, I believe that the deep state and our intelligence and, you know, the foreign intelligence agencies of England, uh, Great Britain, and and Israel, I think, are all. It is well within their ability to evade any exposure through a case like this. You know, uh, nor I. I think things in the past that have happened are generally through whistleblowers. You know, kind of just sneaking out documents. Um, you know, so, yeah, I don't think the uh, Mossad or the CIA or who, whatever group would be part of this intelligence that owns Epstein is, you know, going to allow some court to uh, <laughs> release documents um, that sort of show their involvement. <clears throat> but it's very, very, very interesting. Whoops. And so, um, I'm not sure that I have much more to say about, uh, that Mossad connection at this point or the intelligence. Um, but it's, you know, oh, and of course the, the passport again, you know, I've seen it, I, that I've, I've seen it reported originally as a Saudi, pa Saudi passport, then looking at Wikipedia and then following their links, you know, to their sources, it was an Austrian passport that it had Epstein's picture on it and claimed a Saudi Arabia birthplace. And then I just this a couple days ago or something, and I, I can't remember what it was, but I heard a claim of there were two passports. Uh, I tend to lean, I mean, I tend to just assume the Wikipedia one is correct, but you know, but, uh, you know, I don't really know. I don't know that it, uh, in any sort of real material way changes the story, whether it was a Saudi Arabian passport or an Austrian passport that claimed Saudi Arabian, uh, claimed that he was born in Saudi Arabia or like a combination of both. Uh, I mean, I think all of them are, you know, pretty much, you know, equally interesting. They both so show some sort of you know, surprising 
connection there to Saudi Arabia and um, the fact that he has like a fake passport. This and all the way back. I mean, I think this was in the in the 80s and that he used it. Um, you know, that's you know, that's pretty interesting. That's not like, you know, normal do, you know, normal uh, just citizen type stuff that you get access to. I mean, I, I'm sure if somebody wanted to, you could figure out how to get a fake passport, but I don't know. Uh, then to like have the like balls to actually go out and use it, it's pretty intense. Um, so yeah, so all, you know, all that's floating around him. And I, I'm not sure that I had really talked about that enough because to me, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely one, one of the most interesting parts of it because you know if you're able to really gain that level of control it's something that i've always wondered about you know it, it's like you see a guy like trump you know or or obama you know obama was talking all this anti-war stuff and then he gets into office and then it's the same tune you know and then same with trump uh, now we'll talk a little bit about some positive movements and I'm not saying Trump, you know, on war and stuff is, I don't think he's been nearly as bad as Obama or Bush. Um, but to some extent, I think, yeah, I, I mean, he hasn't started anything new. Um, but I do think that t there's been like more drone strikes under him or I don't know. Um, and with, you know, with Trump, you could chalk it up to the guy just doesn't really have a code of, you know, a philosophy that's underpinning what he's doing. So he's easily kind of swayed one way or the other. Uh, but I've wondered with the, you know, with the, the Mueller investigation, if there was some sort of dealing there that they, you know, said, hey, you know, we, yeah, we're not, we're not going to get you, we can't get you, but we can get your son, you know, we can lock your son up, uh, unless you play ball, you know, stop talking about pulling out of Iraq or whatever, you know, Somalia or whatever it is. And because there's been, you know, I mean, Trump's been outspoken about all that stuff in the past. Uh, and, but you know, like most of them, they, once they get in, in office, it's just like a totally different thing. And I don't know, something like this, something like where there's this web of, you know, blackmail sort of intelligence in a really dark way. Uh, yeah, people can't ever let this get out. I've, I've thought before, like maybe it's about families and threatening, you know, your kids and stuff like that. Yeah, but this is pretty interesting. And I mean, at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that there are tons of videos of very powerful people having sex with children that this guy has created. You know, Epstein. I, you know, I would take that gamble. That I think that that's true. The game I play with this is, you know, if I had an envelope with the answer to this question, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, could, are there, you know, intelligent aliens out there or whatever the game is, is usually, you know, with a question like that. And you could guess if you're right, like this envelope holds the true answer. We do. It was given to us by some like divine intervention. 
If you're right, you get a billion dollars. You're wrong, you get nothing. What are you going to guess? To me, that's it's different than me saying, oh, I think I think there's aliens. It's just saying, well, you know, if I have the if I had the guess, I guess I'm going to say yes, you know. And so uh, in this case, uh, if I <laughs> I got to guess that Epstein has made videos uh, and has them somewhere, maybe in police custody. I don't know, but of you know a number of powerful men having sex with children. I'm going to go with yes, and I feel pretty strongly about that. I'm not like 51% yes, like I'm, I'm pretty high there. And I think that with that, you know, that's a powerful piece. And, and he, you know, seems like a person that has gotten where he got, you know, through leverage. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously this guy's gotten busted and already for this, and now looks like he's going to go down a lot harder. You know, so it's a lot of reason to to you know a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke around this. Uh, you know, I actually should pull this up. This this is this is new. So another thing that happened since the last episode, Epstein, uh, side attempt. And then Epstein. So two things that happened. One was in the news a lot. Um, I'm just going to pull up the first thing that came up on DuckDuckGo, which is a Forbes article. Uh, So Jeffrey Epstein's suicide attempt, next steps in prison. Um... Last week, Epstein was found unresponsive on the floor of his cell and, I don't know, the the Bureau of Prisons is investigating. A number of outlets have reported that this could have been a suicide attempt. If Epstein sustained any injuries, he would have been transferred to a small medical clinic in the facility that handles most acute care needs stitches wounds cares general first aid if the injuries required surgery epstein would have been transferred to a hospital under armed security that does not appear to have been the case according to bop again the bureau of prisons policy inmates who attempt suicide are placed in the institution's designated suicide prevention room a non-administrative detention segregation cell ordinarily located in the health services area Unlike BOP policy, new inmates like Epstein undergo a comprehensive intake. Oh, under BOP policy, sorry. New inmates like Epstein undergo a comprehensive intake conducted by psychological services. But because of the high rate of admissions and short length of stay in the MCCs like Manhattan, those intakes are often delayed or even ignored. He will now go through a regimen to determine what happened and how. He can return to general population. Once an incident like this happens, the inmate is placed in solitary confinement and checked often by staff. A suicide risk assessment will be completed uh, within 24 hours of the incident, and they will determine what will happen in the chance of such an incident recurring. A final report will be created describing the entire incident, Epstein's comments, and a recommended treatment. Uh...
Ähm, I'm just making sure. I So, yeah, I don't think anybody knows at this point. Well, I mean, maybe people inside. I, I haven't heard anything definitive. Um, he may have simply just tried to kill himself. Uh, you know, other people obviously suspect that, like, you know, one of these elite, you know, people with a lot to lose tried to have him killed. Um, that was July 29th. So today's Friday. I don't even know what day what day was that? Uh was that Monday? Anyway, um Yeah, I think that was Monday. Um so I don't know if anything else has come out, but you know, uh he I mean, again, I you know, with without a lot of information to go on, I just feel like it's unlikely that somebody tried to kill him and like failed. You know, they like left him messed up but not dead. Uh, so, I mean, that's my kind of only take on that. I could see him trying to kill himself, um, but at the same time, I, I, it's tough to know. You know, to be. I just can't imagine a dude like that, like, you know, throwing the car, you know, just kind of folding, giving up. I mean, the guy seems like he's still, you know, he still might have some cards to play, uh, you know, with everything that he's got on people. You know, that I mean, theoretically, he's got dirt on people that could change the way this case gets played out. You know, that's the thing. And if he was so unlucky to wind up, you know, in a courtroom and a whole setup where he doesn't have a control, then all right, I guess maybe you give up. But I mean, he got arrested in his, you know, home base. You would think if there was any place that he would have, you know, worked on getting this kind of like dirt on people, you know, it would be there. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, the other, you know, the other thing, and I, and this I don't think has been decided, but with Epstein's lawyers are pushing to have the case tried in like a year, supposed to be a million documents. That's what they say. <laughs> sure, how they've gotten that many documents on this. I mean, that you know, I don't know how extensive this <clears throat> this ring was, but. Um, so, but we haven't found out about that. So the trial date, I believe is still up in the air. And, um, the other one that came out was, uh, Jeffrey Ep So this is another one. Jeffrey Epstein reportedly told prominent scientists he wanted to impregnate 20 women at a time in his New Mexico ranch in order to seed the human race with his DNA. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein hoped to see the human race by impregnating women, a New Mexico ranch, and at his and told scientists and confidence confidants of his plan. The New York Times reported on Wednesday, citing four sources familiar with his thinking. Um, the financier and convicted sex offender had discussed the idea since the early 2000s at various dinners, conferences, and gatherings, uh, but no evidence he actually acted on it. The idea was impregnating 20 women at a time by inseminating them with a sperm. 
the idea likely comes from Epstein's well-known interest in transhumanism, a eugenics-like philosophy about enhancing the population by using modern technologies. Uh... Anyway, I don't know. I I mean, we'll see what comes out, but this is the latest thing that came out. Um, kind of interesting, I guess. It's, you know, more stuff. But <clears throat> but that's kind of what we're... Uh, I think that's basically where we're at with this, uh, with Epstein. Um, so, I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh Tracy Twyman. So I found uh, let's see what if I have this video here. No. This guy uh Crypto Beast. So if I am following this correctly, Crypto Beast um his name is like Steve. Yeah, here we go. Um, Steve Altram. Let's. See. I'm just going to his Twitter account just to. Yeah. Pin. It's a follow. Uh. Wikipedia. Steve Altrum was born in 1973 as a technology entrepreneur from New Zealand. He is best known for success in the early dot-com years of the internet as the creator of Sausage Software and its flagship product, Hot Dog Web Editor. He also founded software company Urbanize. Uh, anyway, um, he writes... so. His um, the article that I found uh, was written on uh, this Burning Man. So he writes articles. It's called Burners.me is the website address, and um, <clears throat> something to do with Burning Man, but it's not actually connected with them. It he seems to be researching the culture of it. And it's at first when I was reading the about, it seemed like he was into it. Um, but then he goes into like, uh, in a shadow history, something called shadow history. I explored the history of Silicon Valley. Burning Man played an important role. Uh, and then he's just got all this series of, you know, pretty intense you know connections between Silicon Valley and you know all this occult occult stuff I'm sure there's like pedophilia stuff in there and uh, we he says we have come under attack by a gang of trolls who claim to be tied to the Department of Defense um, see debunking Douglas Dietrich for updates anyway um People may be familiar with him. Uh, I uh, I've ran across him here and there. I you know I may have first came across him with this Tracy Twyman stuff. Uh, may you know like I 
it's the last week uh, or last episode. I found out through the higher side chats. They I follow their podcast and they posted a video or a podcast that was basically you know R.I.P. Stacy Twyman and some addressing of some of the specific things that she had said in the video. And I believe Crypto Beast is actually the person that put the video out that she sent him. Um, so some interesting stuff, but so this isn't like breaking news. I, you know, this is actually from July 10th. So I believe this is the day she died. Uh, also, I think it's the day that Epstein got arrested. So another pedo gate researcher suddenly dies. RIP Tracy Twyman. And he says, Tracy Twyman was a researcher into the occult who lived near Portland, Oregon. Uh, I went on the RX only picture show with her in March of this year. Uh, hold on, I'm just trying to blow this up. Uh, and called into the show again on May 22nd when they did a special after Isaac Cappy's death on May 13th. He died on May 13th, 2019. Tracy had been in touch with Cappy and was investigating some of the same things, including voodoo donuts and their neighbor Dante's, which both make extensive use of satanic imagery and themes. Uh, again, I'm not, I've looked into this stuff a little bit. Um, I actually was looking at this stuff earlier this week. Uh, <laughs> um, what the fuck's this guy's name? Vegan Mikey or something. I came across all this weird, all this like, you know, it, like I was saying, it's very hard to like parse through this stuff. Um, you know, like you, you know, you listen to a guy and I'm not saying he is not telling the truth. I have like no, no clue at this point how to verify. And, you know, and I haven't, it seems like it would take a lot of time to like look through, um, just to get, you know, get some perspective. But I think he's like, was friends with Isaac Cappy. Uh, but I mean, you, it, it's a kind of, I mean, he just seems totally untrustworthy. You listen to the guy, he just doesn't seem like an honest guy. Um, you know, if you've got good radar for, you know, <laughs> recognizing when people, you know, would you got to keep your eye on somebody? I mean, he, he should be setting off your alarm, alarm bells. Um, again, maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't know, but that's the first, he's talking about voodoo donuts as well. And there's this connection all the way back to the, I think like the Comet pizza people. And if there's one thing that I think is true, that's like pretty easily verifiable is that there are like people from that kind of pizza gate. That's what the Comet pizza thing and whatever's over happening in Portland now. Um, I don't know if, you know, so that's, that's that. And maybe it's just like totally unfortunate for the Voodoo Donuts people because they're just, you know, maybe they're just good people and they just got, you know, happen to be friends with the Comet Pizza people and maybe they're just happen to be good old pizza people, you know, that just like, like actually just like kids and don't abuse them. Uh, I have no idea about that. 
uh, I'm not saying it's like unknowable. I'm literally saying I don't know. Like I haven't, you know, I haven't gone into that in in extensive detail. Um, so you know, I I just can't really weigh in, and you know, I don't want to be calling out these places as <clears throat> being you know part of some child abuse ring. Um, but this is what like Tracy Twyman. You know, she was on, and I, again, I don't totally know this vegan Mikey thing, but there's all this like infighting amongst people that are kind of researching this stuff. And a word you'll hear, and if you haven't heard it before, but it'll be LARPing. And, you know, that's live action role playing. But basically, you know, they were, they would be, they would accuse vegan Mikey of LARPing, of basically like, being having nothing going on in his life or any connection with anything but just pretending like all this stuff is happening to him so that you're a lot of this this stuff and i mean at first pass it's nearly impossible to tell which end is up you know um the way vegan mikey presents himself uh he he doesn't do himself any favors um you know other people seem a lot more reasonable than him but I have no idea. You know, every it just seems like everybody's accusing everybody of being a LARPer <laughs> or something like that. So, <clears throat> um, but anyway, so, okay. So then he, so now back to Crypto Beast. Tracy shared some of her research with me after that, but asked me not to publish it at the time because she was quitting Twitter and YouTube after receiving death threats. The circumstances of her death are presently unknown, but it has been confirmed by S.B. Alger from the RX Only Picture Show. Uh, so I listened to... Um, damn it. What's her... I can't think of the name of it now. Uh, I'm going to like lose this other video. I had this other video queued up so I wouldn't... A Tulsi Gabbard video. Um, let's see if I can get this... I just want to say, because I didn't really say the name last episode either, because I kept forgetting. I guessed at it, but I, I couldn't remember. I just want to say, because uh, apparently this is like, um, so it's Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. So that's, uh, um, whoops, okay. So Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis is where I found out that Tracy Twyman was found hung. Just a side note. And I believe this Alger guy, SB Alger, who has this other RX Only Picture Show, like video sort of podcast thing, I think it's mainly around YouTube or whatever. Uh, he was on the Clyde Lewis show when they were, you know, talking. But this was like a week after her death. Um, like Clyde Lewis was a person that was actually like quite close with her. He officiated, I think, his her, her uh, wedding. Her husband, apparently, or ex, I don't know, killed himself a while ago. And then Clyde Lewis, like, ha did that ceremony or something. Anyway, so, uh, you know, this S.B. Alger guy had uh, ve verified that. And I, and I think she was like that. I believe maybe her last appearance was on their show. Their show is really weird. I, I had a lot of trouble... <clears throat> figuring out what the hell was even happening on their show but uh, i haven't gotten back around to watching it either 
So, yeah, that's something. If you want to look at some weird stuff, RX only picture show. So, this guy confirmed it. So, uh, this makes this video that she created for me and one other person a kind of dead man switch. Right. And we talked about that. So this is the thing I I didn't actually read until today. I never saw this. He so and I mean I just didn't see it because he obviously posted this the day she died. So apologies. Uh, hey Steve, I just tried to send you a message through Twitter, but I don't see it listed under sent messages. Did you get it? Thanks. It was a link to this video which I made to show just you and one other person. Uh, so yeah, so that's that. It's about, so this is all Tracy Twyman. This is just, you know, message. She sends a bunch of messages in a row. It's It shows as like midnight. So maybe Crypto Beast was asleep. I don't know. It's about a person who owns a private campground in Williams, Arizona, right where Cappy was just before he died. This person sent me many messages threatening me and my son after I exposed a bunch of child traffickers on YouTube. He also took credit for having hacked my computer and online accounts and accurately described in these public confessions how he did it. I'm still afraid of him and his friends, which is why I don't want to talk in public. Everything that I re experienced during these attacks last year matches up with what happened to Cappy before his death, and I had already told Cappy about these people in Williams. I think he might have gone out there to investigate, or they brought him in that area because they knew they'd get away with murdering him out there. Last Tuesday, the campground was listed as permanently closed all of a sudden, which seems an extraordinary coincidence to me. I've gathered evidence that something very bad was going on out there. From the Twitter feed I looked at, it appeared that a large percentage of the people who went out there to camp were Turks. Why would dozens of businessmen from Turkey be going out to the middle of the desert in Arizona to camp? At a campground that, according to the reviews, was rather shitty. And according to one reviewer, they were chased away by the owner wielding a gun and threatening to murder them. Which I actually did read that. There is a mind control aspect to this. The campground owner boasted of his abilities in this department. It would explain a lot about Cappy's actions in the end. Anyway, I'll leave you to absorb this. Um... So she sends another thing, like it's like links to the Greenleaf campground. We had mentioned that last week. Uh, she says, the campground is shown on the map. Their office was listed as being in Williams. I've got an unlisted video that I managed to find where the host is explaining how to find the unmarked dirt road that leads out to where the campground is. Somebody should go out there with cadaver dogs. So finally, uh, the okay, okay, so that's like midnight. The next morning, and this is May 25th, 2019. Wow, there's a lot of freaky stuff in that area, like the O, o Space Row Ranch. Want me to publish this as an anonymous tip? Seems very pertinent. Tracy replies, It is pertinent, but I'm afraid to have it published. The second wave of threats to my family, the ones posted on Facebook, came after I mentioned the first wave. On an audio recording posted on my own website, which I'm sure has considerably less traffic than yours. I have no protection here. They know where I live, as they've proven in their messages to me. Someone was even sent to my house a few months ago to deliver a message to me personally. If information about them all of a sudden went public again, they are likely to know I'm behind it. I honestly don't know. Don't 
know what to do with this information, so I decided to show it to a couple of people who are also gathering evidence on this subject. But thank you very much for reviewing it. I'm going to look into this ranch you mentioned. Um, then this is like a week or so later. Hey, Steve, I'm going to delete the tweet you retweeted about Dante's. So please just save the picture or retweet from the original account that I was retweeting from. I'm getting harassed again, and I don't think we'll ever know the truth about this stuff. So I'm going to back away from the subject, especially about Voodoo Donuts, as they are so close to me. Uh, she's in Portland. Voodoo Donuts is important. Don, uh, they, there's a screenshot or something of a tweet. Oh, I guess this whole thing is a screenshot. So she has, I guess, sent a tweet to say, delete this. Um, Dante's is underground tunnels and some telling photos on their Instagram. Um, they keep, I actually looked at this. Dante's is kind of weird, but so Dante's looks like it's a, a music venue. That's like punk. And you know, they show all this like kind of satanic stuff or whatever. Um, which, you know, uh, when I was growing up, I think that that was like, Oh, that was very like pop culture stuff you know that was like the alternate culture Marilyn Manson or you know and then even and before that that's the original post made by someone else she said so somebody named Caroline Elise uh with the name woke af <laughs> on Twitter um okay great crypto beast says okay great research a shame you're backing away from it but thanks for the heads up and Tracy says, thank you, I've come up with a lot of analysis on the subject, but in a practical sense, it doesn't really seem helpful to anyone to talk about it, especially me. It just brings me more problems, and the, pu and the public just takes it as entertainment. It doesn't seem to be helping any victims or bringing down any bad guys. And Steve says, maybe something to consider, making a non-account. I think it's all helping a lot, but I'm sympathetic to the risks. Another blown-up picture of Dante's... Then here's my show with Tracy before Isaac's death. Here's a show I called in after he passed. So she's got links to these different shows on the RX Only Picture Show. Tracy's reaction. Um, Ewan. Uh, then he said he did an, uh, an interview about this with Lift the Veil, which he released as Crypto Beast number 21. Carl... Uh, Greg Carlwood from Higher Side Chats has made a statement in response to that. So that's so Greg Carlwood's response is the first thing I heard. Uh, there's some disturbing discussion from 2018 on their website about some sort of group magical ritual for Tracy. Um, yeah, so she was referring to this. Uh, there's some, yeah, there's some weird, weird stuff on here. Yeah, this, it's this Gen X Gemini. So his account here is called Gen X Gemini. Uh, he keeps, he keeps posting stuff. Uh, this is, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it stuff's really hard to, to follow. 
Um, but I remember her going through this. So he he does say some like weird. I mean, all right. So most of the people that listen to my podcast, they're not. I don't think like way down and un, in with occult stuff. Uh, I don't think it's something they look at regularly. We're kind of like libertarians. We think about you know economics and like anti-war stuff. Um, but the people that have been listening on YouTube, I do think they're a little bit more into this stuff. Um, so I'll just read one thing and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give, you know, I'll share links to all this stuff. Uh, so that, you know, if you, if you want to look at this on your own, I will give a link to this. I will give a link to this, uh, crypto beast article. I actually think that's the most interesting thing I've seen. Um, okay. So he starts off by talking about like, he starts off, wow, folks, imagine a cult warrior street team, better still a cult warrior logistics service or owls. So, and if you know, any owls are a sort of an occult symbol and he sort of formed some acronym that are ready to kick into esoteric action when those oily appendages start to constrict around us well it's exactly what happened this evening on facebook magic magicians uh positive energy singers are welcome to join me tonight on half of miss tracy twyman right so he initially is saying like hey you know we're uh we want to help this woman out I really have no idea why. But remember, this is the owner of the campground where, you know, just down the road, Isaac Happy died. Uh, and Tracy Twyman was investigating. So, like, I mean, the fact that he's coming out and, and sounding positive or whatever is, like, super, you know, weird. Doesn't make sense. Uh, we all formed a singular clear intent and combined in the right relation with the following ritual we performed together live on Facebook last night at 9.36 p.m. This is the first of many action-oriented magical outreach. We will perform for our people we care, we can. We're tired of seeing the man take us all out one by one. That must stop. We must stop it. Uh, this is how we're going to do it. Hey, and he says all stuff. Uh... Subject of focus, Miss Twyman, the sigil. Let's let's use the Ankh for 360 degrees of life protection. The color yellow for strength and courage at coordinated time. All right. So finally visualize your being, whatever. So it's like he's talking about all this, whatever. And it kind of goes and goes. There's people responding. And then he says... You're definitely not being paranoid after some stuff. You know the feeling when someone watching you because you felt that before. You weren't being paranoid then. You aren't now. The same thing with this. And he says, Twyman has been, quote unquote, educated and has complied. This and only this explains her reemergence. She knows she knows the deal now, the bigger picture. For example, any website you log your IP address, your tunnel bear is useless 
onto also has the ability to send specialized content, customized and only seen by that IP address. The originator may not be the website owner. Pretty basic stuff, actually. Hence, making you think you're going a little cray-cray when the website starts talking to you. I'm personally glad to see she did not choose the other option afforded to her. Those crossroads are a lose-lose. The alternative option led to the Warner Brothers water tower, an absolute death, in case that was too subtle for some folks. Allow me to validate my claim. Just ask her about 12.37 a.m. humidity and if she enjoyed the feeling of drowning. She has she has much she could tell, very little of it will she. You don't need water to feel like you're drowning. He has a picture of a woman looks depressed. You see hard-headed pseudo-celebrity podcasters can have very difficult time paying attention beforehand, but they never fail to focus afterwards. E-V-E-R. Present company not excluded. Uh, so anyway... <laughs> uh... And he just keeps posting. So, whatever. I don't know. She refers to that in her Dead Man Switches video. And then, um, that's some of the stuff that was in that video. Her going through that and talking about it and her mentioning that she didn't feel any humidity. So, she didn't really know what he was talking about. But, clearly, this guy, I mean, he said, like, her choices were between whatever. I mean, it sounds like between talking and dying. I mean, it's not that coded, right? Like, this guy... You know, whether or not it's just a bunch of crap, I don't know. Maybe this guy is just like some weirdo campground owner and he's just like, yo, fuck this lady. Uh, why is she talking all this shit? Or maybe he's some mystic occult musician, a magician that, you know, drains children's blood for their power. I don't know. I don't know anything about this guy. I actually thought about contacting him um, and ask him if he wants to be my first ever interview. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what he has to say. Um, <clears throat> as I, uh, Gen X remembers. I actually followed him on YouTube before. <laughs> uh, Jamie Espy. Yeah, that's dude's name. Jamie Espy. He doesn't put up many videos, though. Um, yeah, he put up four videos a, a year ago jamiesb.com but she warned don't go to jamiesb.com because uh he's supposed to be like a super hacker um that will just take over your computer um i'd say one way uh you could do it is probably if you're worried i mean <laughs> again i have no idea I looked at this guy's Facebook page. I looked all through this stuff. Um, and I don't know. But his point is, you know, is pretty interesting. Or it's, I mean, it's pretty legit, right? Like, uh, you can definitely, like, hijack. Like, if you get something on somebody's computer, you can, uh, you know, basically make it look like, whatever you want is going on when their browser, you know, is open. So you could wait till they visit a certain page and edit stuff, add tech, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's definitely a doable thing. I really don't have like that, a hacker mindset. So, you know, it'd be a lot for me to like go through all to do that, but it's certainly possible. You know, what you see on your end is on your end. Like when you're looking 
at the browser, um, you know, it, it can be definitely just manipulated on your side. Uh, you could see if you if you right click on any part of a web page, like right click 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 on some te text, jeez Louise, and then look at inspect. It'll open up the HTML source, go to it, and then go type a word in there, like test. Hit enter, and now that word shows up in your browser. So easy peasy. If you're looking, if if you're just walked in and you looked at my browser, you'd be like, why did they put capital T-E-S-T -E in front of that paragraph? That's weird. And there's absolutely like no signature, no evidence that it's just not part of the page. But then if I refreshed it, you'd be like, where did the test go? Because it's not coming from the server. It's something only on your end, right? Anyway, so that part of what he's saying certainly holds water uh, about all this like, being able to cast spells around the world and do stuff to people. I have uh, no idea. And he says, okay, so back to, and I am talking way more about this than I expected. Um, but I did find this and this was really interesting. So here's Carl Wood. And, and uh, so he's talking about, um, you know what? I'm gonna pull this up. So he's talking about Carl Wood. All right, guys, Greg Carlwood here, and this is a highly unusual and very sad and frustrating moment for many people. The first guest that I was semi-close with has passed away, Tracy Twyman. I never met Tracy in person, but she was someone I had on the show multiple times and did occasionally touch base with in the DMs from time to time. And this all just happened. I don't even know the circumstances of her death, but I know she was married. I know she had a family and I couldn't have more empathy for all of them. Few people really experience this sort of unexpected loss. And I cannot imagine how hard it is. I don't even Okay. I'm gonna kinda of talk over it a little bit, keep the volume down. So yeah, that maybe he will get for to everyone's it. Everyone's sake, because when things are this serious, it's just very irresponsible to be sloppy with your language. But Tracy did record a video, and she circulated it to a few friends. And now that she's passed, before even a day has gone by, sloppy with your known, they'd be starting a shit storm. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and did this video Sorry. that she had recorded, which I think is extremely disrespectful and irresponsible, but it is what it is now. They had to have known they'd be starting a shit storm, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and I'm sure they were just grieving and still are. And you would have to watch that in her own words to have all the context, but she named me the higher side chats and my friend Kyle, a guy I have known since the third grade, one of the most compassionate and kind people I know, to be honest. And now I'm getting a lot of messages about it. Some people are skeptical of me and of this close friend of mine. 
And instead of responding to tweets and comments one by one or engaging with people who mentioned me on the thread for Tracy's video, which I think would be super disrespectful, I'm just going to give my context for the situation and anyone who's curious can listen to it here. So, okay, yeah, just real quick, you know, that's, so this, so CryptoBeast says, well, I appreciate this guy is unhappy with the video going out because it doesn't paint his best friend, who is this guy, Kyle, in a great light, perhaps highlighting his mental illness or perhaps pointing to something much worse. He's pretty much the only person out of 20,000 plus views on the video so far objecting to the information being public. I didn't know Tracy very well, but people who did are supportive of this quote unquote dead man switch type of information being released. If anything ever happens to me, please, please, all the info you can. And I agree. I remember even so this higher side chat thing is the first thing I heard. I never even heard of Tracy Twyman before, but I remember thinking like, what's like, what's in this video? Like she sent this video to this person privately uh, and now he's putting it out. It seemed you know, right away, it, it did seem kind of odd, and I didn't know what he was talking about with his friend or anything like that. I wound up then just sort of looking it up, and yeah, I really don't get, you know, I think this Greg Carlwood is sort of coming from out of left field, and kind of like Crypto Beast is saying, I mean, I think it's, you know, he doesn't like that he got negative press over this, and because she doesn't present Greg Carlwood very positively, I don't believe, in the video. And she definitely doesn't present his friend. So, anyway, I'm going to play a little bit more, but, you know, I'm not going to... There's, like, 15 more minutes, so... But Kyle's been my friend for more than 20 years, and in the first couple years of THC, he did co-host some episodes with me. Duncan Trussell is one that comes to mind. But when I was still trying to find my way and trying out several different formats, one was co-hosts and he was a big part of that, as were a few other people. And I just say that because unlike me, unlike Tracy, Kyle is not a public figure in any way. And if you wanted to get context for who he is, that's really the only place to do it. Tracy mentions this in her video, but back when the Ferguson police riots and protests were going on, Tracy was a producer on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis at the time. Traditional multi-hour live radio program. And she DM'd me and said, hey, I know you're from St. Louis originally. Do you know anyone who is down there and can maybe call in? And I said, yeah, actually, my friend Kyle happens to be down there protesting right now. Police brutality and racial injustice are major issues to Kyle. I'm sure he'd be willing to call in. And of course, I would get a kick out of listening to it and having facilitated it. And it happened. Kyle had a short segment kind of being their eyes and ears talking about what he was seeing on the street in the action. So I guess they kept in touch on Facebook. I know he really was, is a big fan of her research. Obviously, no matter how close you are to a person, you don't know who they talk to or what they say, but Tracy and Kyle were friendly. Now, fast forward quite a bit to around this time last year, they started going pretty deep into some creepy videos they were seeing and trying to symbolically decode. 
and they looped me in to a group chat and shared it all with me and it was all pretty creepy it did not make me feel good and it wasn't anything overt but it definitely gave me the creeps and tracy said let's do a show on this right now and i said tracy i really don't even know what this is i tend to like to interview people about a book they wrote or something that i can study but this is not really what i do and i thought maybe some of the details should be sorted out first. I don't want to do anything irresponsible. Pedophilia is not something to make casual claims about. And I just saw how this material was affecting both of them. I saw how it was getting to me. And I said, guys, maybe you should put this down for a while. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to eject myself from this. It's too much. And what are you really going to do about it anyway? Tracy says herself that she went to the FBI and they turned her away and then her computer started going crazy. But I consider that little saga to be separate from the other aspects of this whole thing that Tracy talks about in the video. And I've talked about it a little bit myself, and that is a bombardment of creepy, cryptic, vaguely threatening messages that I was getting at the time and now I know I guess some of these people were also messaging her at the time but I do just try to stay out of stuff like that I don't like to give it more life by talking about it but it was my first real experience dealing with the sort of stuff that did make me feel mildly unsafe and because my show is always just focused on the guest and their work, I don't really leave room on the show for me to talk about some unrelated personal dramas I might be experiencing. I talked about it the most probably when I was last on Gramerica. I was still trying to be a little vague and not let people know they got to me and not air my friend's personal business. But I talked about it there. People were sending me creepy pictures saying how sad it would be if I lost my wife, saying that they're doing magic to disrupt my marriage. And some of this was happening in private messages. Some of it was spilling over into the THC Facebook group, which I had just made, by the way. And I tried to stay out of that by just going in and renaming the group the unofficial Higher Side Chats Facebook group. So I could wash my hands of it and say, you know, I really just want to make my show. I have no control over this group or anyone in it because I really didn't. And I didn't get into this to police Facebook groups. And some of this was happening on the THC Plus forum, something that's just for the paid subscribers, which I'm also not on as much as I should be. But clearly posts on that forum are relayed in Tracy's video. By the way, that's so, the link I was reading from time, before. Just sort of Gen X remembers. Stay busy on the show and not engage with this stuff because if it's affecting you and it's all through a digital screen, shut off the screens for a while. And that was how I handled it. So, all right. Um, and actually, I don't think I listened actually much past that. Anyway, and sorry if that was like a little bit weird or boring. Um, I'm not the best at splicing in uh, audio. I just have 
I record all this stuff in Logic Pro, my computer, and I just have one of the channels in the preamp. One of the preamp channels just connects to my phone, and I can just I play audio off my phone. Uh, anyway, so um, that you know, so that's how I became aware of Tracy Twyman, and that was the vibe of Greg Carlwood, who has the uh, podcast called The Higher Side Chats. I did actually then go look and I found that episode of Gramerica and uh, they're funny. Um, I would say, I, you know, The Higher Side Chats, like I don't think he has overtly like talks about smoking weed and stuff. Um, but the Gramerica guys, they definitely just sound like like conspiracy theory stoner guys. And they're, I think in Canada, uh, they seem like very nice chaps and um carl wood was on there and they were talking and i don't know like i said there's all this weird like infighting drama stuff and you know i there it definitely like and i have no i like it like all could be it disconnected too like I don't, i'm not saying that like vegan mikey has anything to do with any of this drama you know it's all but apparently there's like people that think that uh, Greg Carlwood is like some, you know, government uh, double agent. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so, um, so that, you know, that was his take. And I really did like his last, the last thing there about like, hey, if all this stuff's coming through your screen, just like unplug the screen, you know? So, uh, anyway, um, so, to finish, let's see, with Crypto Beast, he says with the Jeffrey Epstein arrest that I don't know how you the Nexium convictions and the other recent child sex trafficking busts, which I don't know, I'd have to click the link there. It seems like it is a dangerous time to be looking into the Luciferian pedo cult. Isaac Cappy researched hashtag pedogate now dead. Trace Tracy Twyman researched Pedogate now hashtag Pedogate now dead. Jen Moore researched hashtag Pedogate doxed and now she's dead. Fiona Barnett hashtag Pedogate whistleblower doxed disappeared from social media. Robert the deplorable researched hashtag Pedogate doxed disappeared from social media after a possible suicide or murder attempt. I received this from a source who wishes to remain anonymous. They were in touch with Robert's uncle. Robert claimed to have Isaac Cappy's dead man switch and was in process of opening it when he had to flee his home after being doxxed by Unirock. And he said he had people in his town taking pictures of him. What the fuck sort of meth you smoking, Skippy? Nobody did jack shit. That's what the lone wolf says. And, uh... I mean, there's just some banana shit out there. Uh... Whew. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. I I think I should, uh, you know, maybe for next episode, go through all these recent people that were all researching the same thing and uh, and then, you know, died or committed suicide or whatever. In that town tonight, I know you're there. They took pictures of you. I don't know. I don't know what all this is. But anyway.
Yeah, I don't know who this is, but... Anyway, so he's referring to all these different people who have died and... uh, Or just disappeared that were all researching this stuff. Robert... uh, Robert then ended up in the hospital with what we initially thought was a suicide attempt. Robert... Uncle, posting from Robert's Twitter account, gave some details suggesting maybe it wasn't suicide. If the denture were used and not broke, you would not be here. We have, uh, this is just too much for all of us logging out. I won't be logging in again. As per the post I just made, Robert can and will be able to get on here when all of his troubles are over. He is going to be okay. He says he did not try to kill himself. He went back to sleep before we could get him to answer any questions he is still heavily medicated and is not very awake he can only type not talk yet i'll figure out how to send pictures of both him and some of his paperwork if you promise to keep it confidential i need you to make sure nothing can identify where he is right now until we have some answers uh some of it <laughs> dismissed robert's suicide attempt as some sort of larp in light of tracy's death not even two months since cappy and jen moore's death less than a year ago Further investigation is warranted. I will update this post. If more information uh, comes in, see also, and he has a bunch of uh, links, other related coverage. He's got a bunch of stuff out there. Um, Yeah, he's just got a bunch of links. Oh, yeah, so he's up. um, Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, um, so so that uh, is pretty much everything in that article. That was a mega Tracy Twyman. Uh, I won't call it an update. I just don't think I I did it um, as much detail. And again, I'm kind of more targeting, you know, my video at people that are kind of new into this this world. And um, you know, as much as like I don't know, <clears throat> you know, I say like, hey, I don't know. You know, I don't know which end is up. I don't know what Twyman's talking about. And I, you know, I don't have her. I haven't played her like Dead Man Switch video. I mean, I guess that would be. I should, you know, at least, right? At least, uh,. Let's see. So now let's just get into Here. what I know about it. And this is going to be. So this is Tracy Twyman's Dead Man Switch video. That isn't, you know, she sent months before. But she sent it to two people. And look, I mean, the thing to me that's so striking about what I just read is almost, it's not just the, vi- the and this is like a 30-minute video. So I'm not going to go through all this. But, I mean, you know, she's she's straight up saying like, 
I've been, I'm getting threatened. I'm stopping this. And, and it's interesting that she kind of did. So that's like, it, it's weird that she, they would kill her now. I don't know. You know, I don't know what to make of it. But anyway, I, I didn't play any of this last week. And just to give me an idea, I mean, you know, when you hear, I mean, she's talked, she gets into some pretty crazy stuff in this video, but you know, again, like hear a voice. I mean, she doesn't sound like some like crazy psychopath, like when, you know, or somebody it's all like drugged out or lying, you know, obviously lying. Um, like I, like I said, kind of like the vegan Mikey guy kind of rubs you the wrong way. Twyman seems, you know, pretty legit as far as the way she presents herself. Only circulated amongst a few people. When I got attacked last year, which I've described in other videos, one of the most direct messages, series of messages really, that came to me was from this person identifying himself as Jamie SB. He put his email address, obviously allowed me to capture his IP address. He wrote down what his website is. He put it on, as a comment on my contact page of my old website before I took it down, the one that got hacked. Everything on my computer and my phone and everything got hacked. Here's what he said. <clears throat> and this is after I had been talking to this guy named named Kyle, whose internet handle was Kyle. Is it serious? His real name was Kyle Prindeville. He's associated with the Hi uh, Higher Side Chats uh, podcast with Greg Carlwood, which I've been on many times. And this guy's been my Facebook friend for many years. This Kyle Is It Serious slash Kyle Prindeville guy. And uh, he was Greg Car Carlwood's best friend throughout his life, apparently and was involved in the show and occasionally co-hosted and things like that. I had talked to him many times through Facebook. I had booked him on the Ground Zero radio show when he was uh, involved in some protests that we wanted to cover, protests of police brutality. So, you know, Kyle seemed like a real friend, and he got involved when I started, uh, when I discovered this code that led me, to, led me to discovering all of these obvious child trafficking videos on YouTube and by that I mean they were they were listing videos and perhaps the children themselves also for sale. I'm going to get into all the details but I just you know the material was gathered and reported at the time I've had to take down the online versions of what I gathered because of the, the threats that came afterwards. This is one of the threats but the threats really didn't start coming in until after I attempted to report this to the FBI and the FBI kind of steered me out of the room and they refused to write down anything I said they wouldn't they took down my name but they wouldn't tell me even the name of the officer I was talking to they wouldn't let me in the building so I could sit down and talk to him I had to stand there for basically right next to the gate leading to the FBI building I wasn't even allowed to go in the building wouldn't shake my hand wouldn't sit down with me and basically told me that because the best info I had come up with reams and reams of information I didn't bring it all with me because I was just making an initial report and basically trying to set up some kind of a future meeting or something or just get them on the case because all this stuff was on YouTube and if they had listened to what I was trying to tell them, they could have easily found it. But one of the things I just said was, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was looking at, I couldn't tell where the children were being held or if they were still alive or what. But one of the things that I did find was a school in England near Yorkshire, not in Yorkshire, but near in that area where it's appeared that many, many of the children there were in, being prostituted out and that the YouTube vids were being put out to help find them uh, clients. And also the YouTube videos were being used 
to threaten the other children. Like you could tell that some of the videos were made for the children that were involved so that they can find it and be reminded to stay quiet. Like apparently, you know, it, it appeared that the, there was a little community of these people, that some of them the obviously trafficked and heavily drugged children commenting to each other on their videos and trying to get strangers to notice them and also talking to each other about their dates including dates with the staff of the school and we're not talking about a high school we're talking about the equivalent of a middle school we're talking about kids it's actually some of them seemed like they were even totally prepubescent totally even before middle school and in you know referencing electro torture in, in regards to what they were being made to do frequently and so many other things. I mean, you would have to see the video to see what I'm talking about. Kyle is one of the people that saw that, that video and all the others that I found, including the ones that appeared to be linked to uh, just the, the traffic of uh, people, including children, for sexual purposes and the torture of them on camera and then the murder of them being bragged about, the future murder of them. And, and even mind control was referenced. Anyone who saw the original videos knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mind control was also referenced in the videos. And some of the videos were made for the purposes of mind controlling the slaves or keeping them in a state of mind control or, or triggering, triggering a particular uh, state of mind or just reminding them to keep quiet, scaring the ones that have been talking. Anyway, at the time I presented all this stuff, my friend Kyle was talking to me about it on the phone and online day after day for probably five days in a row. And then on the last day, he turned on me. They called me up, basically left some kind of accusing messages on my phone. And when I called him back, I hadn't even heard those messages. I heard them later after I hung up. But I called him, he chit-chatted with me for a while. And then at the end, he basically admitted he was part of it part of see at that time not only had we noticed you know and figured out all this trafficking was going on on YouTube but I had gone to the FBI and when I got back home that's when my computer I noticed my internet connection and my computer and my phone were all completely fucked and when you know the next day I tried uh, first of all it went on all night in, in a frenzy I mean my my computer was completely taken over my internet was completely taken over and like as I tried to interact with it, I was presented with a crazy, crazy world. A crazy mix of mind-controlled programming that had been made just for me specifically to scare me. And it was based on, you know, th things that had been surveilled information about me that could only be gathered by surveillance of me through my phone and through, you know, complete control of my internet connection for sometime before that and see as I <clears throat> as I continued as I noticed this and uh, started telling the people I've been doing the research with about my experiences several of them also started experiencing strange things like that Kyle was one of them there was another one as well and uh, the communication between me and her was totally hijacked by this thing we ended up not being able to talk at all, and now I've uh, I basically lost her as my friend, and it's basically just because our interconnect, our uh, discussions were interrupted completely d the, that day, the same day that this thing happened with Kyle. 
But I, you know, I was being bombarded with death threats. I was being bombarded with stuff, surveillance that had been taken of my son and of me, letters, emails that let me know that they knew everything about us, that they knew exactly where he went to school, and they knew, you know, when we were alone and when other people came and went from this house, they knew everything about us. So anyway, Kyle calls on the phone, and this time he tries to convince me that what we're experiencing with internet troubles and obviously being surveilled and having our connect our, our attempts at discussing things with other people uh, interrupted, having our messages changed. He says that that's because somebody has uh, conjured a demon. I think he tried to connect it to CERN. He said that some Satanists had conjured a demon through CERN in Switzerland and that it got into some AI computers or they put it there deliberately. And that those com those demons running rampant through AI computers were uh, loose on the internet, doing the devil's work, and that that's what was that's what we were encountering there. And he talked. So, boom, CERN AI demon. So add that to your uh, your lexicon: EPRs, CERN AI demons. That, uh, so that's pretty crazy, but, um, you know, she's certainly not, uh, I, I, like I said, it's long. I'm not going to play the whole thing, <coughs> but she, um, you know, she's just saying it's what this dude says, Kyle and Kyle winds up, um, and you get this in the higher side chats, Greg Carlwood post, he winds up getting committed against his will. So Kyle goes crazy. Twyman found hung. You know, both uh, doing the same, you know, working on the same exact project. And so you got to say, okay, uh, right. I mean, clearly Tracy Twyman is just repeating what this dude said. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that she really even knows which end is up at this point. Because, you know, according to her, you know, so much of what she's seeing on her computer is manipulated, you know, so. And that was this guy, Kyle. Kyle, is it serious? Um, you know, his description of it. And, um, and just, I mean, remember, like, this isn't some woman that's, like, out here that we can talk to, you know. I mean, this woman's gone. She's dead. They found her hanging in her garage. And she sent this video to Crypto Beast because she was weirded out. She was scared. She had gotten all these threats, you know. And so you don't know, right? Like, I mean, one of the things you think is like, okay, you know, is this lady maybe, you know, Kyle was crazy. I mean, he got... You know, he got uh, locked up against his will. He's crazy. And, you know, maybe Tracy Twyman's, she's just crazy. And I don't know, maybe crazy people stick together, right? But, like, you know, she, like, this guy, Gen X remembers, or he calls himself Gen X Gemini in the higher side chat. And he, he, if you see, he's trying to get these posts deleted. He wants them deleted, right? Um, 
he posted this, you know, he posted those July, July 11th, 2018. This is a year ago. And he was talking in there about, for example, you know, he says, you know, they also has the ability to send you specialized content customized and only seen by that IP address. The originator may not be the website owner. Pretty basic stuff, actually. Uh, hence, making you think you're going a little cray-cray when the website starts talking to you. Uh, anyway, the alternative option led to the Warner, Warner Brothers water tower in absolute death, in case that was too subtle for you. So, I mean, he says she's glad, whatever, maybe she picked up her research again. I mean, who, you know, who knows? But, I mean, you know, you just... Is she crazy? It, it's so hard to believe, right? Like, you just, like, it. it's almost like somehow like a cliche. Like, oh, yeah, these dark, seedy, you know, organizations behind the scenes and they just kill to cover up their tracks. Like, that's how everything happens in the movies. But, I mean, there's, like, what's the alternate explanation what, uh, I mean, who is, why is this person threatening her? And she has other stuff. I mean, she, in her video, you know, has other stuff that he sent, um, various different mediums. You know, she, I, I, maybe she was spreading this stuff around before. And then he, he, what, what I'm seeing on the higher side chats is his response to it. I mean, that, that seems like a total shot in the dark. I, I mean, it is like, I obviously, I don't know. Um, but I mean, it seems pretty clear that the series of events were, she comes across this Jamie Espy in this campground starts to research it because she feels like there's some connection between Isaac Cappy's death. No, apparently this was before Isaac Cappy died even, but some pedophile stuff, occult stuff. Then he, she warns Isaac Cappy about it. Jamie Espy is threatening her. She, Isaac Cappy uh, eventually jumps off a bridge uh after that she sends this stuff to her friend in this video and then less than two months later she dies and there's you know open you know public threats from jamie Espy to tracy twyman you know preserved on the internet because apparently this cern ai demon cannot hack the higher side chat blog or maybe it's left up there as a warning to people like me don't dig too deep you know so you know you got that like even if she did kill herself you know does she make did they make her crazy did they drug her like i don't know you know why did this kyle guy get locked up against his will um so you know i i don't really know where i can go anymore today with this you know beyond just speculation i wound up obviously talking far far more about this and playing you a little bit of you know stuff that i had you know uh seen before and yeah it kind of gave some context 
you know, for you guys to uh, see where I was coming from, especially for the people, you know, that don't, you know, that aren't kind of following and looking into all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. And I think the next episode, it would be pretty cool to kind of go into, you know, look into all these names of all these, you know, hashtag pedogate researchers who have, you know, met untimely ends or have kind of disappeared or whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe if I'm feeling really crazy, I can uh, try to message Jamie Espy, see if he wants to come on and and give his side of the story. Um, and yeah, so that's that. Uh, as far as the pedo gate stuff for today, I'm going to probably move, um, pretty quickly through the other stuff, but the, uh, so again, for, if you're tuning in on YouTube, you may not have a lot of context to what I usually talk about. But what I normally talk about is like going through um, basically just the news, you know. I look through the news. I do a lot of, I compare, uh, I compare, you know, what you see on different news outlets, you know, CNN, Fox News versus, you know, what I read, things like antiwar.com. And just try to, you know, wade through it and see what, you know, because I, I think that there's a lot to be said, you know, like if all we're doing is, is following all these, let's say Peter Gate researchers and, you know, all these blogs and, and, you know, podcasts and videos and you, <coughs> you got to remember that not many people are doing that. And it, and if you're like totally out of touch with I mean this is just my you know this is kind of my opinion on it or how, how I kind of approach things but if if I'm like so deep into that stuff that I'm not really staying in touch with what kind of you know quote-unquote normal people in the U.S. are reading and watching like at all I'm not gonna probably be able to communicate very effectively to them and to me, like even without this podcast, right? Like, what's what's the point of any of this, right? Like, I'm never, you know, I'm I'm a libertarian. I'm an, a voluntarist. You know, I'm never going to see a voluntarist United States in my lifetime. I mean, I don't know if it's even possible theoretically, whatever. But you know, I I feel like the main goal is to just try to spread the message. You know, to say like. Look, I don't know what it looks like. How to, I don't have a plan of how to get from where we are to like, you know, step 100 where the Federal Reserve closes down and we have a free market for money in the United States and, you know, the army disbands and the CIA shuts down and the Department of Education shuts down. You know, I don't know what all those steps are, you know, but we're like at step 1 and I, I, you know, I feel like the best he can do is just sort of point in that direction and try to take a step. And I don't really know what else to do besides better understand the, you know, the philosophy myself and try to spread the word, you know. And to me, it's, you know, it's not 
just shouting it constantly at everybody I see. You know, I tend to be, uh, well, I don't know if uh, my friends probably would not say that I'm subtle in any sort of way, but, you know, I like to participate with, you know, regular people doing regular things. And when an opportunity comes up, I'll, you know, I'll talk about it. I mean, I don't shy away from what I think, Um, but, you know. Uh, anyway, so that that's kind of like normally what I do when I see this podcast is like, you know, it's just my attempt at at building on that a little bit, um, trying to put this, you know, I it really came from me doing me wanting more of this material. That was like the real, real inception of wanting the podcast. I record music. I have a bunch of recording equipment. You know, I have a nice place to record. It sounds good. I knew I could do it in a technical sense, and it would sound very good. Um, I thought I probably had a good voice for it. Um, you know, so I said, I, I and and it just was like, you know, I found I, myself wanting more of this kind of like interesting libertarian content, and uh, you know, I there's only like so much Alex Jones, and I love you know, I love Alex Jones listened to him for years and years and watched him. Uh, but I just can't take him all the time. You know, he would certainly be an example of somebody that when I see something that he says, like, I'm going to have to like check up on it. I'm not just going to take it as like the truth. Um, you know, but it's, you know, he's outed a lot of interesting, you know, important stuff. I, I, I'm glad he's there. I think he, he has sort of opened the door to a lot of other people doing like, research outside of you know the mainstream trying to to find out what what's really happening so anyway so that's kind of what i'm normally doing i'm not just like pedo gate researching i'm really not even like conspiracy theory uh researching or or talking about that it's really not it's generally like news politics uh and just kind of taking that where letting 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 the kind of you know the news sort of dictate because what i really you know started to become a little bit more interested in as i was doing this was you know really analyzing what was being shown to people and trying to like see like you know what what is that doing you know where's the lie in this how are they controlling uh you know this sort of mass opinion um and, you know, I've done stuff like going through the Wayback Machine to compare CNN eight years ago or, you know, whatever to now and how different it used to be and how now it's just this just straight up like anti-Trump propaganda machine. You know, it doesn't report nearly any news but that. Um, so that's a lot of what I've done, you know, and I'd really like it. And that stuff really matters to me a lot. And so does, you know, the pedo gate stuff for sure. Um, I mean, you know, whatever happened with Tracy Twyman is very, you know, I think it's important. I mean, I guess it's less important if it turns out that she just killed herself. Um, but you know, I, you know, I, I guess if I had to guess right now, I think somebody killed her. Um, I think it's too much of a coincidence that this guy Kyle went crazy and got locked up and then she went crazy and killed herself and Isaac Cappy went crazy and he killed himself 
And, you know, and they're all connected. They're literally all connected. She's talking about them and before, you know, she doesn't sound in any way like she's wants to die. In fact, she's afraid for her life. Uh, too many coincidences. So I certainly don't know what happened, but, uh, but anyway, uh, but I also, you know, to me, the biggest topic is war. I mean, what, you know, just like this, you know, these, these pedophilia rings, they're, they're, you know, hurting children, baby killing kids. I mean, war is right in the face of the world and they're killing, trust me, lots of kids are dying you know, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, in Somalia, in Yemen, it's, you know, it's so fucked up. Um, and, you know, you're in the count of millions of people now, you know, and this has been going on for oh, 18 years, you know, so right now it's tough and I think it's very tough, you know, to carry this torch, to try to shine a light on this because, you know, war ain't in the media anymore. They don't cover it. They've won. They've successfully turned the Democrats into neocons and they are empire builders and it was on, it's on full display in the Democratic uh, debates now, you know, you have like a single anti-war view and that's Tulsi Gabbard. And, uh, you know, she is attacked for being, uh, and, and so here's some, some guy, I don't know who this is, Ian Sams for the, He's the national press secretary for Kamala Harris. Yeah, so he's part of Kamala Harris's campaign. He says, reporters writing their stories with eyes on the modern day assignment desk of Twitter read this. The Russian propaganda machine that tried to influence the 2016 election is now promoting the presidential aspirations of a controversial Hawaii Democrat. Russia propaganda machine discovers 2020 Dem contender Tulsi Gabbard. Right. And that's by NBC News. So, uh, like, so they started with Trump. They did the whole Mueller report. That turned out to be, as far as I can tell, a complete nothing, right? Like, nothing at all is coming on Trump for that. And now that Gabbard goes after one of their, you know, kind of front runners, Kamala Harris, is in the last... Uh, in the past debates, she really, really like brought it to Kamala Harris and called her out for like locking up, you know, people for being in jail for smoking weed and then uh, or just like, you know, marijuana charges and then some other scandal where she was like keeping people locked up longer than their sentences for like cheap labor or something and really dark shit and just calling her out right in the debates and like. Kamala Harris's response was like something about her being like an, a, a Putin agent or something with Assad or whatever, an Assad apologist or, you know, whatever. And, you know, what I wanted to say, <coughs> excuse me, about Tulsi Gabbard and, and when I say that that the Democrats have now become, you know, full neocons, you can call them neoliberals if you want. But I do not think that there's an actual difference between a neocon and a neoliberal. Uh, 
they got the same goal and it's this empire you know uh she you know so now when a democrat says anti-war things like we should pull out of syria or whatever they accuse her of being pro-assad and i'm not sure you know i'm not sure how old you have to be to remember this but this is exactly the way they tried to talk down anti-war people when we were about to attack iraq like to to be opposed to attacking iraq means that you're pro saddam hussein uh and it's just, you know, it's it's bananas. And you can hear, here's her on the Joe Rogan show talking about this. Because they don't want to engage on the actual issue itself that I'm pointing out about how devastating and costly their policies are of continuing to wage these wasteful regime change wars, of choosing to support terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda in Syria, directly in Syria, because they are the most powerful force on the ground who's fighting to take out the regime, Assad's government. So they're so focused on toppling this government in Syria that they're willing to actually use taxpayer dollars to provide direct and indirect support to Al-Qaeda terrorists in Syria. When you think about how crazy this is, uh, it, 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 it makes me angry. I think it makes most people angry. It's why I introduced legislation called the Stop Arming Terrorists act why we would need to have such legislation is beyond me but it clearly we do to make it so that we don't have any taxpayer dollars going directly to provide any kind of arms or support or, or anything to terrorist groups like al-qaeda but also to make it so that we are not providing support indirectly through countries like saudi arabia who are providing that support uh to terrorist groups because they don't so that's you know Right. That's her position. You know, essentially, in no way is she supporting this. But again, like it's, you know, it's pretty widely accepted now that invading Iraq was a mistake, you know, that it led to destabilization, a million or so deaths, you know, other country like it, it led to the rise of the Shiite control of Iraq, which now sort of aligns them with Iran, Iran, where Saddam was secular and he was not, you know, uh, Sunni or Shiite. And, um, and then, you know, like she pointed out where, you know, sort of backing Al Qaeda or ISIS or whatever, you know, whatever name you want to use in Syria. And then when they're in Iraq, we're fighting them. You know, and this whole thing, I mean, remember, like, this whole thing is set off by 9-11. So, you know, we're supposed to be fighting Al-Qaeda. But our big, you know, ally in the region is Sunni, and they support Al-Qaeda. All of the 9-11 attackers were, were from Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, it none of it makes any sense. It's, it's total craziness. And, you know, today is not the day that I'm going to go you know, go delve really deep into it. Um, but the fact that it's coming up, you know, if you're out there and you're, you know, you're around your, your liberal friends, I mean, you know, the crazy thing now is it's like turned right now. You've got 
Trump supporters are more likely to be in support of pulling out of Syria. Um, you may have some Democrat like support. I mean, I know that like Congress has been trying to to get us to stop supporting uh, Saudi Arabia in their attacks on Yemen. You know, but again, like this was, you know, this this was all started under Obama. You know, like Trump isn't doing anything new. He just hasn't stopped the support. Um, but actually, what I think Trump has turned down is the support, uh, or you know, in Syria. And um, I'm not sure if he's done much else. And you know, another article that we have. Uh, where is it? There it is. So we have on antiwar.com, and I, you know, I've seen this around, but initial peace deal with the Taliban could see 5,000 U.S. troops withdraw from Afghanistan. So there's another thing, you know. Um, now, Trump has ratcheted stuff up previously in Afghanistan, but, you know, this is, this is great news. You know, 5,000 isn't everybody. I don't know how many people are, are there, how many troops are there. Um, but it's it's you know well over five thousand. So with new uh, with a new round of Doha peace talks (DOHA) between the U.S. and the Taliban getting underway, reports are that a peace deal could be reached. On Thursday, reports indicated that it could include U.S. withdrawing five thousand troops as an initial cut. Though no deal apparently finalized as of Thursday evening, the indications are that the U.S. has expressed a willingness for more or less immediate withdrawal, immediate drawdown of forces in return for a Taliban ceasefire. U.S. officials have long presented the peace process as four stages, with deals on withdrawing foreign troops, the Taliban pledging to keep ISIS and Al-Qaeda out of Afghanistan, the ceasefire, and then a power-sharing deal between the Taliban and the Ghani government. First two parts seem more or less settled, and the report suggests that ceasefire may be coming along with them for an immediate drawdown. The Afghan government has appointed people to negotiate with the Taliban now and seems likely to be moving to do so quick if everything else starts falling into place. So, I mean, you're talking about uh, the longest war in U.S. history. Coming to an end, right? Uh, do you see this anywhere? You know, like what's this get like fucking two minutes of airtime on CNN or NBC, MSNBC or whatever? I mean, what are, let's see, even, even Fox News. I mean, are they, do they even talk about it? Uh, Nope. And I don't know. I mean, maybe this was like a day ago, but I mean, you're literally talking about the longest war in U.S. history and it's not in the news. And this like people talk about, oh, look at it, the cult symbolism, the this, the that or whatever. And there may be a lot to that. I don't you know, I don't personally know. You know, my experience with the cult is I've gone to uh, a couple of Freemason meetings with a friend checking it out, you know, they don't let you in anywhere. I just like went out to eat with them after there's some long process, but I have some friends that are in, that are in the Freemasons and I was interested and I, you know, and honestly, I'm very interested in the occult stuff. Um, I bought like a couple books and looked at it 
And, you know, that's about it. Uh, I, you know, I don't know much. I don't have any experience with doing anything. My experience is my own personal life. I, I quit drinking and doing drugs a long time ago. And a big part of that is praying and meditating every day. Uh, I'm pretty secular about it. You know, I was raised Catholic, so I probably have a bit of a Christian, you know, bent to it without meaning to, but I'm certainly no like believer in, you know, that Jesus Christ is my savior. Um, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> a little tangent, but just to establish, you know, where, where I'm coming from with this stuff. Uh, but I don't, you know, so like I certainly believe in the power of prayer, if, you know, if nothing else, uh, there, there's absolutely no doubt that it has helped transform my life in a very, very positive way, uh, amongst some other things too. That's not the only thing I did. But um, anyway, so, um, but to me, right, yes, you can embed all these messages and codes and whatever, but the real trick is just not even talking about it. I mean, that's their real, real tactic. And, you know, if you, he he's not really on anymore, but when Dave Smith used to be on CNN regularly, I remember him talking about it. And basically, you know, somebody make a point and he would just destroy their point. You know, absolutely over the top, you know, clear as day and, you know, it's normally on war stuff or whatever because none of people even know what the fuck's going on, right? And their response is to not respond. It's just to be like as if none of those words were said. And to me, that's like the real, real media mind control. There's kind of two things. One is repeat a lie over and over until it seems true. And the other is just don't talk about it. Like war is becoming like this almost third rail issue. And you just never hear. It's so normalized. You know, it would it, it would be like them doing articles on on like highway repair or something at this point. Like it's it's just they've turned it into this just boring non-issue, like, oh, there's a discussion and you know there may be a troop withdrawal. It's like, yeah, this is actually a ceasefire. This is a, they're actually talking about ending the Afghanistan war. A war, you know, that did no good for us. I mean, and who the fuck are we dealing with? The Taliban. I mean, it's still the Taliban, right? Like, I guess they want to keep get get the Taliban to agree. They're going to sign a paper to keep Al Qaeda out. While we're arming Al-Qaeda in Syria. <laughs> you know, it's just fucking silly. Whatever. But anyway, that, that would be phenomenal news. I hope every single U.S. soldier leaves, leaves Afghanistan. And, you know, maybe we'll also, as a side benefit, see this opioid crisis start to simmer down. Now that we won't be there to get as many, you know, the drugs out as easily. Because, you know, the Taliban had no pro-fucking-heroin. Um, yeah. So, but maybe our CIA will move on to somewhere else and do a different drug. Maybe we'll start to see a meth epidemic. Who knows what they have in store next. So, 
we got the Democrats are just total neocons. Tulsi Gabbard is basically what Ron Paul was to the Republicans in 2008 and 2012. Um, you know, this this had me wanting to revisit. Uh, actually, just make sure we're out of here. Yeah, this had me wanting to revisit the. Um, the non-aggression principle. And I also wanted to talk about political correctness. Um, but we are over two hours in. And I'm just going to, I guess I'm just going to mention it. But, you know, so at the core of basically my entire political, economic philosophy and belief system is something called the non-aggression principle, which you may or may not know about. Um, the idea is that it is wrong to do violence to peaceful people, basically. That's, that's the non-aggression principle. Is that, you know, you can't aggress against, you should, you know, it's the mor morally wrong to aggress against people that have not aggressed against you. Um, and certainly if somebody like aggressed against your buddy, you know, or your kid, uh, you know, but th that, you know, peaceful people, that's why the idea of peaceful people is kind of a nicer way to put it. That, that these people haven't been aggressing against anybody, then you cannot come and aggress against them. And through this is how we're able to come to the conclusion that, you know, taxation is immoral by the non-aggression principle. You know, because it is stealing my property. But then you start to say, well, what is aggression? Uh, you know, what exactly is violence? You know, I mean, if somebody steals my car, is that violence? Is that aggression? You know, and yes, it is. But, you, you know, if you're thinking down that line, you, you are correct that just sort of simply saying, you know, it's immoral to do violence against peaceful people. It, you know, it leaves you got a bit to um, to define there. And, you know, we're all and, and again, you know, we're dealing with English language, which is never going to be complete. You know, we're never going to completely be able to state something, you know, like this in, a, in some perfect closed fashion. <clears throat> so uh, I was I was looking around with different takes on it. Uh, one, you know, Murray Rothbard said no one may threaten or commit violence quote-unquote, aggress against another man's person or property. Violence may be employed only against the man who commits such violence, that is, only defensively against the aggressive violence of another. In short, no violence may be employed against a non-aggressor. Here is the fundamental rule from which can be deducted the entire corpus, corpus of libertarian theory. Right. So... Um, that's the idea. And, you know, I talk about it a lot about like, you know, the difference between libertarians and pretty much anyone else, any other group is that you can independently give us a situation that we have never encountered before and ask us like, what is the sort of, you know, correct way to handle this, like from a moral perspective. 
and we'll come to the same conclusion. Whereas if you're a Democrat in, you know, the year 2001, 2002, when asked if you should overthrow a secular dictator, you know, and foist democracy on this company through country through regime change, you would say no. But in 2019, when posed with the same question, you now are suddenly, uh, it's a resounding yes, because you have no actual principles. You know, liberals don't really have a strong, unifying, deterministic underlying philosophy. They're, they're sort of left at the whim of their, their leaders to follow them and do what they're told. Uh, whereas so the libertarian leaders start suggesting things that diverge from the NAP, it's pretty easy. The NAP being the non-aggression principle, it's generally, you know, and I'm not saying it's perfect, right? I mean, people can get duped, you know, I, but it's a hell of a lot easier to find point those people out. And you're seeing a lot of that in Libertarian Party today. There's a lot of, you know, infighting between the uh, Mises Caucus, which is sort of more of what I'm talking about, trying to kind of what we would say is return the Libertarian Party back to its roots. And then you have this, the, the kind of, I think, the chair and whatever, a lot of these people that are playing more of the identity politics stuff and whatever. Um, <clears throat> another part of this then, uh, NAP, is, you know, property, right? So violence... Uh, you not threaten or commit violence against another man's person or property. So property, homesteading. This is this is like this is another big piece of it, and this is a this is a difference. You know, again, probably the libertarians are, and then you know, and so this is something that like you'll see. I mean, I think the reason that people confuse. <clears throat> libertarians with like conservatives is you know these are like conservatives will sort of pay lip service to this private property stuff but they don't really buy it and they're willing to like let go of it and you know depending on the situation and they certainly see a role for a coercive government with monopoly and you know a lot of things like defense and things like that so um, they're not, you know, they're just not, they're not very consistent with it, but they, they wear these ideas that are associated with libertarian ideas sometimes like as a badge, you know, on, on their, uh, chest, like they really support it, but you know, and a lot of, a lot of times they don't, but anyway, so there's a, a man named Hans Hermann Hoppe, which I believe he is alive today still, another Austrian school person. So the idea uh, with like what is property and you know in my words, my own words, I'll attempt to say it first and so you know it starts from that every person owns themselves, right So your your sort of original property is that you own your own body. Right. And this is something that you'll even hear. Right. Liberals will start to bring up when it comes to abortion. That, hey, a female owns her own body. Uh, and so she should be able to do with it whatever she wants. Um, obviously, you know, 
it's kind of more complicated than that. I, you know, I, I don't think, I know Murray Rothbard, I think kind of leaned more towards being totally pro-choice. I, you know, I don't think that the nap is enough to guide you really in abortion because why doesn't the baby own its own body? You know what I mean? Like, the day, you know, the idea is like, oh, it's like a parasite and it has to have the mother to live. Yeah, but it, that's also true the day after it's fucking born, right? Um, <laughs> like, I mean, if, if, if the baby was born and the mother just like was like, all right, you know, you own your body, little baby. Like, go, you know, go to town. Like, the baby would literally just lay there in fucking parish, you know? It it couldn't it couldn't even move off of uh, its bed or wherever it was. So you know that's kind of tough. But then at the same time, you know, like we and I've talked about abortion before. When is a fucking baby a, a person? Uh, you know, like that to me is the is the unanswerable question. Which the nap and property rights and homestead nothing gives you any guidance on that. And I think that's why it's just it's such a perfect issue to keep the you know, people divided and focused on, um, because there isn't really, there just isn't really a clear, you know, a clear answer to that. But anyway, so aside from, you know, that, and then even, even children, like I said, it becomes kind of hard to, to say, right? Like a child owns its own body, but it, it can't, you know, as an infant, I mean, it can't do anything with those rights. It's totally dependent. And they, you, you'll hear the phrase, uh, the, the parents hold the rights in escrow, which is fine. But what about like if the parents are abusing their infant child who has absolutely no ability to even voice uh, displeasure about this other than crying, which you can't tell the difference between, you know, I'm being beaten or sexually molested and I just want my bottle, right? You know, I, I, you know, that like clearly a baby should be able to be removed from an abusive parent. Um, you know, so like the baby has a right not to get abused, but you know, there, there's this idea of like rights and responsibilities and the baby obviously isn't responsible. So anyway, but, uh, you know, pushing away from that and just kind of talking a little higher level, because there are certainly some specific places where, you know, it kind of can get, get confusing. Um, but, you know, in this vast middle ground where most of us live and most of the property exists, the idea is that we own our own body. Nobody else can ever make a claim to our body. So basically like slavery, like if I say, oh, I'll sell myself into slavery for you, to you for the rest of my life. If you give my mother, you know, $1 million, it's like the contract is essentially like null and void. Like it's not a real contract like because I cannot separate myself from that ownership. You know, I, I can't give it. It's like inherently embedded inside of me. Um, and I, you know, that's a little bit like feels kind of made up. Right. And I think it is. But I think the idea is then that just removes slavery from the world. You know, at that point, it's just like there's no real uh, bad consequences to establishing that. And just like, look. Nobody can ever own somebody else. That's the rule, you know. And that is, you know, 
I, I'm morally like totally good with that. And I think most people are except for slave owners. Um, so, so now you, you establish that you are your own property. So, you know, we can start to just talk about property, aggressing against property because I am my own property. So these things are one and the same. Then the other thing becomes like, okay, well, you know, what about my house or my land or my car or whatever? So what like they go into is this idea of homesteading. And basically it's just like, you know, if you're the first person out to a land and you stake your claim, now there's something about like, well, what does that mean? If I just walk you know, into obviously there's not like really land that's undiscovered anymore, but you know, in this theoretical uh, exercise, do I just I walk and I see some giant expanse and I can see mountains way off in the distance and I just say this is all mine and now it's legally mine. Uh, again, I you know I'm not an economist, um, but I don't think that's the idea. I think the idea is you need to like kind of lay some reasonable stake to this claim, you know, at least like build a fence around it or something, you know, like show some, you know, amount of using it. Rothbard had, you know, a little bit more of a clear way to express it, but you know, essentially that's the idea. And, you know, the argument kind of comes around to say, well, like, I mean, why should you have it? Like, just because you got there first, you know, whatever. And what uh, the counter is just like, okay, like, granted, it's somewhat arbitrary that I was the first person here. Uh, and so it's mine. But, you know, if that's a t if that's tough pill for you to swallow, how are you going to make the, how are you going to prove that the second person that saw the land is the rightful owner or the third person or the fourth person, right? Then you just get into like, oh, well, nobody really owns anything until some other like governing body gives it all out, you know? And then now you, you get into this like state, this idea that there's some other entity that actually owns all of the earth and then parcels it out to people based on, you know, some subjective thing. And Hans Hermann Hoppe talked about this a little bit. I don't know that I have the book link, though. But further, if one were not allowed to appropriate other resources through homesteading action, i.e. by putting them to use before anybody else does. So that's another thing, like putting it to use. So I guess like putting a fence around is sort of that. Or if the range of objects to be homesteaded were somehow limited, this would only be possible if ownership could be acquired by mere decree instead of by action. However, this does not qualify as a solution to the problem of ethics. So he is saying, he's sort of saying in a maybe a little bit more, you know, clear way, the idea of just like looking out of the mountains and saying it's mine, that's sort of the decree and, uh, you know, instead of action, like trying to fence it off or use it, right? You, you know, if you cut down a tree, they always talk about mixing your labor with, you know, some, uh, you know, some natural sort of resource and then turning it into like a product. And that, you know, that sort of now your labor is sort of inseparably mixed in to this. You know, if you cut down a tree and, you know, build a, 
canoe out of it you know you you can't like separate your work from that like that is your canoe you know obviously unless somebody else already had, you know owned the tree it was on their property and you stole it you know um and then i guess they would just you know you're sort of shit out of luck like you're the you destroyed their tree you know but then they would say hey look like i don't care what you made out of it like you know you owe me money because you just destroyed my tree uh so okay so is it only possible if ownership so further sorry i'm just have to start over further if one was not allowed to appropriate other resources through homesteading action by putting them to use i.e by putting them to use before anybody else does or if the range of objects to be homesteaded were somehow limited this would only be possible if ownership could be acquired by mere decree instead of action however this does not qualify as a solution to the problem of ethics i.e of conflict avoidance even on purely technical grounds for it would not allow one to decide what to do if such declarative claims happen to be incompatible so i guess it's saying two decrees but more decisive still, it would be incompatible with the already justified self-ownership. For if one could appropriate resources by decree, this would imply that one could also decree another person's body to be one's own. I don't. I that I didn't. I don't know that I totally buy this this piece of it. Thus, anyone denying the validity of the homesteading principle, whose recognition is already implicit in arguing two persons' mutual respect for each other's exclusive control over their own body, would contradict the content of this proposition through his very act of proposition making. So I know that's con uh, confusing, but. Uh, Anyway, I mean, I think like the idea is that homesteading sort of um, makes it, uh, you know, there's not there's not really ambiguity in, in ownership with homesteading. Clearly, you know, I'm, and it's not I'm not saying that it may, you know, this is something that I think people sometimes have get a little confused with. It's not property rights and moving from the nap and using this as the law that guides us makes things like deterministic this does not mean that you don't need a court to figure it out right because what if two people say hey i bought this you know here's my chain of you know here's my title to this land and this person's saying oh no like i bought this here's my title you know, okay, now we have to figure out because like at some point land was homesteaded and then and it was sold or it was worked on and sold, you know, whatever. You know, at this point, it's not as much homesteading as much as trading the homesteaded stuff or selling it, you know. So, <clears throat> but that, you know, it doesn't mean things can't be complicated in court, right? Like two people come with like what seems like a valid title. You've got to figure out what's going on, right? Somebody says, hey, I came and I built this fence around, you know, I was the first person here. I built this fence and I dug the foundation for this house. And this other person saying, no, I did that. Well, you know, I mean, you like there needs to be like a trial and an investigation and like people, have to, they have to try to figure out who's lying. You know, it, it's not again. It's like the, the, the libertarian world is not like a utopia. It's just like the laws are deterministic, you know, the laws are like they don't change. They don't, you know, like you, there's no way to lobby around homesteading and the nap, 
like if if you follow it because it's very simple and from that you can get all the regulations you need you know you don't make special ones because what generally happens is in the US is that you get people to lobby the government in favor of some big corporation to add regulations that make it harder for their competitors and harder for new entrants into the market to start a business because now there's all these regulations and the um you know the incumbent large corporations can benefit from the economies of scale that they can employ while the new entrants you know are hurt by this and they they kind of take the cost of these regulations right on the nose uh so anyway that um that may or may not seem like a huge divergence um from what we we're talking about but to me it's obviously the nap applies to whether or not we should be you know waging war and all over the middle east and killing a million two million people um you know it like the, the things that you hear discussed today on the news, it's all about racism and, you know, PC speech and virtue signaling and identity politics and whatever, you know, and, and the libertarian perspective can, I think it sometimes seems boring because, you know, when we start to hear this stuff, it's just like, I don't know, you know, like... It's just talk, right? Like you're not, you're not actually hurting anybody. Like, what? But what about all these wars? You know, like you don't like Trump's Trump's words. Uh, and it's not to say I don't have opinions on it. You know, I think one of the funniest kind of memes or whatever that's out is just like, stop making me defend Donald Trump. Like I'm not, I'm not a pro-Trump person like at all. But these attacks on him are so crazy. You know. And, uh, I mean, some of them are warranted, but it's, like, always just so outlandish, like, the claims, and it's just never, ever, ever stops, you know? There was recently the West Baltimore stuff, where Trump said something about that, I guess, the congressman from there, and people were saying, oh, you know, he's racist because he's saying stuff about West Baltimore, or he's saying bad stuff about this, <clears throat> you know, this, what's his name, a I almost said Elijah Wood. I don't think that is actually his name. Was Baltimore. Uh, what's this dude's name? Cummings. Is it Elijah? Yeah. Elijah Cummings, the representative from West Baltimore. And people are, you know standing up oh don't say this about west baltimore you know like these fucking you know whatever like ultra liberal people out there in in marin county right those motherfuckers would shit their pants if they were dropped in west baltimore go take a stroll through this fucking place you know I mean, I've been there. I lived in Baltimore for a small amount of time, like six months. I actually lived in Randallstown. Um, but I know what's like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I grew up in, like around Philly and, and lived there for a long time. You know, we got North Philly. Yeah, West Philly. I mean, I, you know, West Baltimore, it's the same idea. Like these, you know, these people have no idea like 
what they're, you know, they they claim that like Trump doesn't know what they're talking about, but it's like, you, buddy, like you haven't been there either. You know, like I'm not saying that he's right or whatever, but you know, just like don't fucking even enter into the discussion. Like you have no idea what you're talking about, you know, but oh my God. And he's racist. And this is like, you know, I, I've heard people say like, oh, you know, this see, this is my my thing with with the you know politically correct speech or whatever. It's that you know, I jump people are like, oh, I hate PC stuff, and they're like, oh, you know, so all all politically correct is just saying we just want people to stop, you know, to not say like racist or sexist things, and it's that's not it. If that was it, then like, cool, great. Like, I don't like people saying racist stuff, and I don't like people saying, you know, sexist stuff, and you know, I like I'm not for that. But what that's it's like the definition of PC is to me, is that you cannot criticize one of their protected classes. So Trump criticizing a black man and criticizing an area of a city that is majority black is considered racist. But that's obviously a lot like not a logically consistent, you know, leap to take. That's not racist. He's just, you know, in fact, to me, it is racist to say that you cannot criticize, you know, minorities or other, quote unquote, protected classes of people. Um, so, like that, to me, is the issue with, with the PC stuff, you know? Um, I mean, because he also, like, criticizes the shit out of, like, San Francisco and stuff, which is, you know, largely, like, white and whatever. Um yeah, so, anyway, that's, uh, I, I've been thinking a bit about, about this PC stuff, and, um, you know, it's a bummer, uh, you know, I are, another thing that you hear sometimes is something about, like, you know, I mean, to me, it's like, Generally, it's fine to say racist shit against white people and particularly the combo racist sexist things against like white men. But people will say something about, oh, but that's not racism. Like it, racism is like needs to be this like prejudice combined with like power or something like that. And like just, you know, I mean, no, I do not agree with that. But to some extent, I mean, I can kind of get where they're coming from. Right. Like if if I came across a slave in the 1700s saying something you know bad about their slave master like it's not it's not wrong right it's not like you know they're they're like they're not racist i mean even though it is you know even though like technically yes they're judging but or even obviously not against their slave master. That's a specific thing. I mean, you know, just against white people in general. It's like, yeah, but they're fucking slaves, you know, and all the white people are certainly sitting by and watching. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that it's just like complete bullshit what they're saying, but I would say it's largely incorrect. It's certainly largely incorrect in the year 2019 when you have the largest media uh, companies in America on the side of that, 
So there is power in that. You have politicians that are pushing that agenda. I mean, you have that Ilan Omar uh, woman, you know, talking about uh, that we should uh, we should uh, like track uh, white people, white men, or something like that. Um, But a fear, a legitimate fear, they say, of quote-unquote jihadist terrorism, whether it's Fort Hood or San Bernardino or the recent truck attack in New York. Uh, what do you say to them? I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. We should be uh, profiling, monitoring, um, and, uh, and, and creating policies to fight the radicalization of white men. A lot of So, uh, Right, and then some other chase. So, so like this is okay to put. I mean, this is this is like the point. Like that's fucking racist, obvious. Right, right. That's like naked racism, right? I mean, she says that we should profile white men, and she gives the like uh, false data that most of the killings in the United States happen uh, at the hands of white men, which is actually not. That's actually not true, unless it recently changed. Actually, even in sheer numbers, uh, um, African Americans actually still kill more people in the United States every year uh, than white men. But I, th I think this was like in or white people. I guess it doesn't split up between white and black or, or male and female, what I was listening to. But I just wanted to check up on it because it's like, I don't know. I just thought it was sort of a funny thing to throw, you know, to throw in there. Uh, for violent crime by race in 2011. So this this is in Wikipedia, but so I guess they haven't. Um, for persons arrested for homicide uh, in 2011. Well, all right. I, well, all right, let me just read this and then I'll say why. Maybe I have to backtrack a little bit. For persons arrested for homicide in 2011, 49.7% were black. 48% were white and 2%, whatever, 2.3 were other races. 65% um, of the rapists were white. That's pretty. Property crime is 68% or white. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why that's it. It's interesting. Uh, anyway, so. Now, obviously, you could say, okay, more of the crimes that people were arrested for were, were black. But with the crooked justice system and police, maybe actually more murders were done by white people. But anyway, you, you, know, you slice it. Let's just say it's about the same. If there are... Uh, I don't even know how many murders there are in the U.S. If there are 20,000 murders in the U.S., 10,000 are done by white people, 10,000 are done by black people. It's not, I mean, the idea that they're mostly done by white people is, is wrong. And then when you consider that 
there's way more white people than black people, you know, then like per capita, you know, the obviously the homicide rate for African-Americans is much higher in the United States. And, you know, and I've talked about that before. I don't think it's some like failing of like black people in like a genetic sense or whatever. It's like they're getting shit on, you know, it's like but again, it's another like topic that people are starting to touch. I mean, they're talking about legalizing weed more and it was in the Democratic debates. So that's another good sign. Hopefully that'll get pushed through. And but like, you know, the war on drugs is fucking decimating the African-Americans, you know, communities all across the country. And I don't and, you know, this may be like conspiracy theory stuff, but I think it's targeted, you know. Um, and anyway, you know, we've talked about that in the past, so I'm, I'm not going to go crazy into it. I mean, this is like kind of a mega tangent. Um, but, you know, this woman is, and it, you know, I, I think she's from Somalia. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I get it. Like most of the people coming and attacking your country from our country was white people. And yeah, I, I get it. You got a fucking chip on your shoulder, you know. I was like, I promise you, most of the people got killed in Somalia are, you know, from from U.S. hands or by white people, you know. Um, so, you know, I get that, and I and I think the U.S. foreign policy is bananas, and I may actually agree with her for the most part. Like, I mean, I'm sure she pretty much wants us to stop killing people in the Middle East and in Africa, and uh, you know, stop propping up Saudi Arabia. Maybe I don't know what she thinks of them, but. Uh, and certainly Israel, right? Stop giving them a bunch of weapons and money and everything. But, you know, this shit is, this is bullshit, you know? It just is. This, like, talking about fucking profile on white people. And, like, you know, the, the, like, the, the idiots that, like, agree with this. You know, sometimes I find that, like, so almost the, the hardest thing to like deal with you know this woman posting this she like so she posts some woman named titania mcgrath white men adolf hitler benito mussolini joseph stalin ted bundy jeffrey dahmer where you see a coincidence i see a pattern ilhan omar gets it so this white lady wants to profile white men and she describes herself as selfless and brave. Well, you're not humble. Update. We all know that the word woman is offensive because it contains the word man. But did you know that the word black is equally offensive because it contains the word lack, suggesting inferiority? From now on, is no longer a black woman, but... And then she just spells it like crazy. But... You know, the his like woman is not like uh, they didn't just add some prefix to man. If you um, at least when I looked it up, um, she uh, yeah, it's not. It, it's actually derived from like its own word. It's not like you know whatever. But this Titania girl is obviously just fucking retarded and she has 300,000 followers i guarantee people are so fucking uh... 
<laughs> people are pretty funny on sometimes twitter's funny sometimes are really hard to to fucking to swallow uh anyway so i'm nearly three hours in my throat's starting to get sore you know i'm not joe rogan i can't do three hour podcast day after day after day you gotta work up to that um and you know so i uh I don't know how to sum all this up, but, you know, we still have this Epstein shit going, and I'll, you know, I'll stay with that. If there's any updates, be awesome. Hopefully, if they unseal these documents, that'd be awesome, but, you know, don't hold your breath. Uh, I'll give out, you know, in the show, in the notes, I'll, I'll put links to Twyman, to to these couple things I was talking about, also to her her actual video, um, you know, of the U.S. withdrawing from Afghanistan, possibly doing like a full ceasefire and a full withdrawal. I mean, that's you know, it's unbelievable. Eighteen years. I mean, that's that's. I'm 42 years old. You know, it's almost half my life, and I I have friends that's way more than half of their life. You know. Uh, but otherwise, you know, there's no real hope. I, you know, I thought it was really interesting that Twyman was talking about how most people, you know, this is just entertainment and, you know, I have to say like, maybe there is something to it, you know, that like I, I mentioned this pedophile stuff and all of a sudden I get all these views, you know, I mean, obviously and nobody else would consider that, you know, anybody that has any kind of following, it wouldn't be a lot. But for me, you know, it's a hundred fold increase in viewership. Uh, you know, all these people listening, they really like want to do anything about it. And what can you really do? You know, I mean, to me, the the only like the only real thing you can do is not vote for one of these establishment people i i mean i if you're a democrat like i guess vote for tulsi gabbard you know like i guess at least she's anti-war but she's gonna fucking bring the boot of the state down on a lot of people in other ways internally but you know there would be such a boom to the economy to like not be sucking trillions of dollars out you know to build missiles to go kill fucking people in the middle east um, outside of that, I mean, Bernie, you know, he's, he's not, he, I don't, I don't think he's pulling out of a, a Middle East. He's not really talking about it. Uh, I mean, it sounds like Trump's going to stay in. And I mean, I guess you can hold on to some sliver of hope that this QAnon shit is real or, you know, Hey, I mean, on the scorecard, if Trump gets us out, out of Afghanistan, he has like got Kim Jong Un to the table, and has got talks going. First president to set foot in North Korea. Uh, he obviously hasn't done much in Iraq. He hasn't done anything to help Yemen. He's uh, pretty much backed out of Syria. I mean, all in all, I think he may have like ramped stuff up in Somalia. You know, that's obviously, you know, anything, any ramping up of anything over there is bad. But all in all, right, like Obama took over Afghanistan 
and and the Iraq war. I mean, well, like you know, young Trump started the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war. Obama inherited that and then oversaw, you know, the destruction of Libya, the the all the shit in Egypt with the, you know, I mean, if you don't think that we're involved in all this stuff, I mean, I you know, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, Egypt's government was overthrown. Um, Somalia, well, that was started, I think, by young Bush too. Uh, Obama kept it going though, for sure. Syria, a completely new war venture by Obama. Yemen, that's all on Obama. You know, I mean, so he's starting a number of new wars. And then under Trump, no new wars, and maybe he's going to shut down the Afghanistan war. And then possibly, I mean, I guess that, you know, things have been, you know, relatively dialed back in, in Syria. So, you know, it's not great, but it's certainly better than the last two presidents. I mean, I guess we can kind of hold on to that. But So, yeah. So, you know, fucking war and murder in the Middle East and kids getting fucking captured and raped. It's not, you know, it's not for entertainment to talk about it. And what can you actually do? I, you know, I don't know, except for like, stop voting these demons into office. Stop believing that the one established establishment candidate is the lesser of two evils compared to the other establishment candidate. Because they're both part of the same fucking crew. And you're not part of that crew. So, you know, that's what you can do, I guess. And then try to talk to other people if you, if you believe this stuff. You know, if you believe in the nap, it applies to kids. It applies to the Middle East. It's, it, it, it'll guide you through all of this stuff. So anyway, I'm going to get I'm going to get going. And uh, until uh, I, I come back on, I hope everybody is well. Peace.